somewhere in there. I know I'm not supposed to do something, but what's the reason? Exactly. Kind of you know? well, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to like grill you on yeah. things. And it's not a multiple choice test. And if you get it wrong, then, yeah. you know, okay, yeah. you're fired. <laughs> not. I'm not making enough here anyway. So yeah. <laughs> you could fire me. Yeah. It's going to be fine. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> well, I've, I've been, I'm already a few chapters into this. Um, I love the title. So, who the fuck says we have tomorrow? How I made cancer my bitch, and uh, it's a fun, it's fun title. Like just seeing it, I'm like, all right, I want to pick this up. Um, so yeah, I'm a few chapters in, and you're talking about the event. Yes, I have my favorite parts about it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I remember. Well, I want to hear from you first. Like, what is getting you getting to the hospital? Like, what was the most memorable? part of that well obviously when they strapped me in that chair and took me down those stairs I mean which was atrocious I closed my eyes the whole way but getting in the chair was really bad because if you recall I wouldn't let anybody touch me yeah I mean you would touch my shoulder <clears throat> I felt it running all through me but especially in my back it was uh, you know later we found out I had a pinched nerve in there that's what was causing all that pain uh, which luckily, I'm very lucky that somehow that disengaged through the healing process. Like it, it could have stayed there wherever it was, mm. and it didn't. So I was very lucky with that. But as far as uh, getting to the hospital, yeah, I remember the first time the EMTs came over. First of all, I remember I didn't want to go to the hospital for whatever weird reason, after three days, sitting up in a chair at the dining room, your poor sister having a deal with me. and <laughs> Shout out to Alex yeah. for, for that one. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Um, I still thought I would be better in the morning. Yeah. Don't ask why. It must have been all the drugs. I mean, you remember uh, uh, someone I knew was able to get me pain pills from a doctor. Well, you know, Alex had to go meet with the doctor. They knew I couldn't move. He gave me enough for two or three days saying, you know, you must come to my office before I give you any more after, you know, after that. So it was a choice of either leaving the house, having to go to this doctor's office, uh, or going to the hospital. But I remember when the EMTs first came, you know, I think, what did I say to them? I said, you know, they said, well, if you don't, you must answer these questions properly. Otherwise, we can't take you. And I said something like, I'm the queen of England. And um, Nixon is president, and I'm not going to the hospital today. So, of course, they <laughs> I remember they go, who's the current president of the United States? And you I go, said, not my president. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> I forgot that. I like, Mom, will you please let them take you to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, yeah that was and good. then so I remember that and then I felt kind of bad about it um you know because I knew something was really wrong I think I just didn't want to know mm -hmm. you know by then I suspected through fuckery because who the hell breaks eight you know vertebrae just from sitting up from a couch something was going on yeah and uh, did so you know at the time it was broken you know, I don't, I obviously, no, I, I didn't know, like, there was no diagnosis of it, but yeah. obviously something was wrong, very, very, very wrong, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, actually sitting up in that chair for three days, I mean, they told me later that that created a lot more damage, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't do that. They were, maybe it has something to do with why I lost like two and a half inches in height. The compression, yeah. Yeah. Just sitting there. I, I was flabbergasted when Alex told me, she's like, she was done. She was like, Oh yeah, she was done. I mean, I think she called you after, and this might be disgusting to some people. I don't know, but I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom anymore. She had been helping me do that. So I would just stand, do everything I could like to stand up from the chair. And she put a bowl between my legs so I could pee in it. Now she was done. Yeah. (laughs) She finally called you. We were trying not to call you, you know, until you came back from your vacation. Yeah. Well, it was a fun vacation, but I wish, yeah, uh, I wish you guys had called me, but uh, it's fine. I mean, it worked out, it kind of all worked out in the end, but my, we, I remember because, yeah, the first time the paramedics came, we couldn't get you in the no. ambulance, and and for me and Alex, it was like, extremely frustrating because I can we imagine. were trying to get you help, and you refusing help, and we're like, you can't sit in this chair the rest of your life, like, we got to do something, <laughs> and so... You had already from the doctor, you had a fentanyl patch in your arm. You had opioids at the ass yes. in your system. That was so high. And you still... No, it didn't touch a pain. No, because that's it. I, you were you were so in this massive fight or flight panic. Yeah. Like I'd never seen in a person. But <laughs> you were so terrified that anyone would breathe or touch you. Yeah, I came up and I remember you were sitting across, you were sitting in the chair across from the di- uh, uh, the dining room mm-hmm. table and I walk in and you're like, don't touch the table, don't touch the table. <laughs> I'm not even touching and you're not even connected to the table in any way, but somehow me touching the table was going to freak you out. Well, the pillows that I had on it, you know. Like <laughs> that was cracking me up. But yeah. Alex and I, we, and, and this is what I laughed so hard at this part in the book because we conspired, we did go out on the patio and we are like, we got to get her really fucked up and we're just going <laughs> to get her like high as a kite. And so, um, we're, 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 we're tag teaming on both sides. <laughs> and so her and I are looking at each other laughing and, uh, I've got the tincture. I've got this like CBD, uh, tincture. She's got some other stuff and everything. And you're like, and you're kind of out of it, so you, but you're still on high alert, too. And mm-hmm. so you're looking at her, and I'm coming around with the dropper, and, and you're like, what are you, Alex, what are you doing? And I'd come in, like, <laughs> squirt some stuff in your mouth, and you're like, what, do you, what is that? And I'm like, oh, don't worry. It's just, you know, helping you out. And you're like, didn't I already take some? I'm like, no, no, you, you, you haven't had any yet. <laughs> I thought you were giving <laughs> so me THC, you said. Both CBD, THC. It was THC. a bunch of different stuff, yeah. Wow. For anyone listening, it was like life and death at this point. So <laughs> I felt like whatever I give you is needed. It can't be any worse than what I'm yeah, already Yeah, it was needed to get you just so toasted so that when they show up, the, ne- the paramedics showed up the next time, you didn't put up a fight because... It was obvious, like something really was wrong. But oh yeah, I just remember we both kept like squirting things in your mouth and getting you like <laughs> all kinds of stuff to relax you. And so when they showed up the next time, I remember they had the um, the chief fire chief. I guess that's mm-hmm. the the title. The fire chief I showed up. So. He, you know, they had the little f- cool pickup truck. They don't, you know, have a fire engine or an ambulance. They just show up in their pickup truck. So like five vehicles showed up though. Oh my god! It was like. The ambulance, the fire truck, the fire chief, and like a couple other vehicles. I don't know. But you remember the little driveway down there. I mean, the whole thing was flooded with light. I mean, you just see red and blue and white light and stuff. 
But they finally got you down. I wonder what the neighbors thought. <laughs> I know, right? Somebody died. But, you yeah. know, I think that whole system, I mean, I, I understand they had the issue, you know, with getting down those stairs. That's why they couldn't put me on a gurney. Yeah. Uh, so they had to put me in that chair. And, of course, I wouldn't let them do it. So I'm getting in there, and it's awful. I mean, you know, that thought, I mean, I think they carried me above their heads, right? Because it was such a tight staircase. Yeah. And... um well, that was freaky. I literally yeah. I closed my eyes the whole time, but I could feel that I was like high up in the air. And so you were screaming the whole time. Oh, it was so painful. And yeah, I, I, I understand. But for me and Alex, we couldn't. It was like hard to. We hear. didn't know how to handle it. Like yeah. we didn't know how to see our mom in such pain. And it was like this really, you know, devastating moment for us to watch this. And so I actually walked away. I didn't watch them no. take you down the stairs, so I didn't. I didn't actually witness it visually what was going on, but I heard yeah. you screaming and stuff. I was like, I, I just can't watch this anymore because you're in such pain, and I'm like, you're in their hands. Like I can't. There's nothing more for me to do anyway. Yeah. So I don't need to watch this. Like. Oh, you need. You missed moment. the part when I was <laughs> down. You know, once they got me downstairs, I had to move to a gurney. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to move again. You know, so they put me in there. I'm in the ambulance and. They're driving down the street to take me to St. Rose. And, you know, I thought he, the guy was really speeding. It was every little bump. It was, it went through me like somebody hit me with a cattle prod, you know. Yeah. And I, I remember at one time screaming, to, well, like, you know, saying it loud. I wanted the driver to hear me. I said, slow down, please. Every bump hurts so much. And he goes, uh, ma'am, I'm driving about five miles an hour and less when we go over the bumps. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get to the hospital and they want me they after once again I have to change. They want you know, they put me I have to go from the gurney to the emergency room bed. Mm-hmm. So I did that and then they tried to get me to change again to another gurney to go from there to upstairs in a hospital room because I'd been admitted by then. You mean from the ER bed to Yeah, a, they wanted bed. me to move from the ER bed to a gurney they could take upstairs and at that point I would have to move from the gurney to the hospital bed I refuse I said that's it I'm not moving anymore yeah and so they ended up taking me upstairs in the emergency room bed and leaving me in it you know like took the nurses three days to talk me into moving from that to the bed they said you're going to be so much more comfortable you know in a hospital bed and blah 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 and by then I was so high like you know high as a kite Elton John would say and so somehow they, I actually let them they just like slid me across on a sheet mm-hmm. and it was more comfortable <laughs> so but man what a, that was a heck of a journey for those that are listening that don't know like let's let's fast forward a bit and we can come back but yeah. what is it that let what is it that caused the whole f- events that we're talking about now like you going to the hospital uh, multiple myeloma. It's a cancer of the un- incurable cancer of the plasma cells in the bone marrow. And what it does is it eats your bones from the inside out until they break. Hmm. And when I was diagnosed, they told me that uh, I was at stage 3.5, there's no stage 4, and that I would have three to five years to live. 
So as you know, right now I'm celebrating the fact that I'm alive five years later. Yeah. You know, another month and it'll be five years. Well, that's what we're doing. I mean, yeah. we're celebrating your, you've lived past this uh, death sentence they basically gave you. I know. So, yeah. yeah. My, I, I flew right by my dead by date. <laughs> <laughs> dead by date. <laughs> It's weird that they do a 3.5, like what? Yeah, that's Just weird. Well, it because it, it was uh, above, uh, no, apparently, well, I don't know how they measure exactly, but I remember that doctor telling me that. Yeah. And I was so out of it to he's telling me that I thought like some alien was, you know, like I, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I'd never heard of multiple myeloma. Yeah. You know, I asked him what that is and then he told me. And I said, well, so uh, what happens, you know? And in my part of me, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I just have to take a pill for a while, you know? <laughs> how, how wrong I was, you know? He said, oh, no, you know, and I, I kept, I had to push him, you know, and say, well, what's the prognosis? What will happen? Uh, you know, what's next? And he says, well, people, that's when he finally reluctantly told me, you know, that, um, People in my condition usually live for about three to five years, but he didn't know anything a about it. I'll bet you he'd never come across a patient with that because it's not really true. I mean, in some cases it could be, it depends how the patient um, responds to drug, mm -hmm. I suppose. Some people do die in three to five years, but all they do is the traditional drugs, the mindset affects everything I mean, if you believe what a doctor tells you you'll be dead in three to five years then you'll be dead in three to five years right the mind is very powerful the power of suggestion of the mind you know mm -hmm. so i at some point decided not to believe it this was the oncologist saying that like the first no this guy? was a, the, no it was a, when i was at saint rose the very first saint rose hospital i was in and where they diagnosed yeah. me and um wasn't that guy the the oncologist though i remember you know i don't know maybe he was you're right well no he could i don't think i don't think he could have been because he wouldn't have said that if he knew if he was up on on multiple myeloma stuff yeah uh i guess he was telling me a worst case scenario he didn't know how i would react to stuff either and he didn't want to uh, sugarcoat it i imagine yeah that's my take on it but uh, also Another way I got really lucky is that since then, there's been so many new drugs uh, to manage, you know, multiple myeloma. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I resent knowing what I know now five years later is that, so they create, the pharmaceutical companies invent these drugs, right? And um, when they do the trials and when the F, after the trials, when the FDA approves them, I th I'm not sure but I think that the pharmaceutical companies might be the ones that do this. So they're like, they'll take a drug and they'll say, okay, you can have this after you've had like say uh, two or three failed cycles, like a certain drug, maybe it worked for a little bit or it didn't work on you at all. Then they move you to the next one and the next one. Now the ones later on, so, you know, I had like three, failed courses of drugs that didn't work for very long or didn't work at all on me. And it's only after that that you get to the really good drug. But the pharmaceutical companies don't want actually the FDA to approve those as a first, uh, uh, there's a term for it, like as a first line of defense against it 
because they want to make money selling those other drugs that they spend a lot of money developing that people are already on as a first, second, and third line. So any brand new drug, no matter how good it is, goes to the back of the line and you don't get it till everything else has failed. Yeah. And you know, the last drug that I was on, uh, Carful, I mean, it's called Kyprolis. I, I think the generic name is Carfilzomib or something like that. That, in combination with THC and CBD, is the very best thing right now that we know of that you can take for multiple myeloma. And are traditional, like conventional doctors, in agreement with that? Because THC no, being... They don't. they don't ever mention it. This I had to find out on my own. But there's, uh, uh, you can look it up on a lot of even our government's website, like the NIH nhi dots dot dot something dot gov website where they have a lot of medical information nih there's, right yeah oh yes nih Insti sorry national institute of health yeah yeah and there's been many studies done on it actually but i had to find out on my own you know like the alternative side of the fence will tell you this but traditional doctors they can't they would lose their medical licenses unfortunately if they ever touched that yeah know? that's the crazy thing to me is like there's there's stuff out there that's absolutely useful in terms of uh, medical application. Yeah. And, and that's what I like. What you, I, I haven't gotten that far into the book yet, but I know that's what this is all about is like you're talking about these alternative methods that you found. So you're in the hospital. You've got this crazy cancer diagnosis. You're finding out all these conventional means that they're trying to tell you to do. And then what began that journey of you looking into alternative methods versus like listening to what the doctors were telling you to do? Well, as you know, I've always been a big advocate of doing anything alternative, like, you know, the gentlest thing first, no matter what yeah. I'm dealing with. Um, so if you recall, that's all I wanted to do. I was never going to do chemo. And, and I t you might not be at that part yet, but I do talk about that in the book. I was never going to do chemo. No effing way was that poison going in my veins. But then, you know, I started looking into the alternatives and stuff. There's, there's a lot of clinics that will do only alternative treatments. Not here in the States. You can't do it here, but a lot of them are in Mexico, Thailand, uh, somewhere in Europe, too. I've forgotten which country. But they really gouge. I mean, bottom line, I mean... The clinic I was looking at, which was supposedly the most reputable one, I, you know, checked them out very carefully, read all, I spent like days looking this up, checking it all out. I even talked to a patient who had gone over there, who was a big, you know, uh, fan of theirs. And uh, it would have cost $50,000 for my first two weeks there. No, no, it was 60 because they had to add an additional treatment of some sort. And that was just for two weeks, and they wanted me to stay there for three weeks, and then I would have to buy a bunch of drugs that cost thousands of dollars once I came home. Yeah. And I thought, that is total insanity. I mean, there's no need. It shouldn't have to cost that much, but I feel that they're gouging people who are in desperate need of help, you know? And... Uh, then I started reading about the chemo and everything, so I spent days on that. You know, that was the next step, and then I came to a conclusion. I mean, you know, really my choices were um, to either not put what I considered that poison in my veins um, and die, 
or do it and stay alive and figure my way out of it at some point. But it was urgent because how advanced the disease was. So, and even then, I mean, you know, I broke my back at the end of March and I didn't start treatment till July. Of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was hard though to do it. I mean, it took, it was a long road for me to change my mindset. Yeah. I remember walking into the first time I went to, to the oncologist, like to the infusion room. I mean, I was still wearing the full back brace and walking with a walker. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend, Joanne had come with me and, uh, I remember stopping at the door to that room and it was like, looks like to me, like 75 people, you know, hooked up to infusion machines. And I was literally like stopped and the vibe in there. Oh my God, the vibe. It yeah. just It's a low energy vibe for incredible. sure. Incredible, like very yeah. um, depressed, mm-hmm. anxious, you can almost see, like, I'm not a one that's, like, fully into the, like, oh, I can see the color of your aura. I'm not really into that. But you walk in there, and you can almost see just the darkness. Yes. It's a very, yes. It's a very potent, powerful yeah. vibe, so strong that yes. I I felt like I could almost see it. it was, yeah. It's sad. It's a really sad thing, the way it they have it. Cause is. It, they line you up, and it just feels like a bunch of cattle getting injected with... Yeah. Shit. I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing for sure to see. It is. And I stopped there and I literally almost turned around and, 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 and left. And I think Joanne had something to do with me saying she goes, well, you know, I got you all dressed and took you down here and you need this. So let's go in and do it. Like, um, you made her sound like an actress from the 1940s in Chicago. Like, well, that's Joanne, you know. Listen that. here, come on, I'm a, I'm a real bossy gal, and I'm going to tell you how it is. See, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I did it, um, and then things started to to be better. But always, like, I was always researching like all the alternative stuff and what else I could do. And my main thing was to not end up like those people in there. I didn't want to be the depressed one, you know, filled with anxiety and thinking that I'm going to die. Yeah. So, you know, I would always make an effort. Even when I was still in the back brace and the walker, I thought, well, I got to go in there with a better mindset. I have to feel good about myself. So I would put makeup on Hmm. and, um, you know, put on a nice top or whatever I I was able to manage in, in my condition. And from then on, whenever I've gone into an infusion room, I get dressed up, you know. I wear, like now, once my back was okay and everything, especially once I was here in Dallas and, you know, the, the treatment started to work and I was doing all the alternatives and I felt energetic, I, I wear heels and, you know, a nice top and nice wow, jewelry really? and makeup. Yeah. I walk in there and people literally look at me like, what is she doing here, you know? Right. She doesn't have cancer. She's dressed up. <clears throat> yeah. And she's <laughs> smiling. What's wrong with her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that power of mindset is big. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. If emotional, you, uh, well, you know, emotional state is, is humongous. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how a person can be going through the same thing as another, but they both have a different outcome in terms of experience, how they feel about it, what they're thinking, thought processes. And I remember watching you that the first few months were pretty dark for, for everyone, for the family, yeah. for you. And it was just like a, 
because I remember the doctor, if we can rewind a little bit, I remember one of the hospitals, I don't think it was St. Rose, it was the one of the other next ones that we went to. But The rehab? I don't know. No, it wasn't the rehab. But I it was, was in two St. Rose and then the rehab. Anyway, I talked to a doctor sometime yes. <laughs> in that process, and he he um, I was asking, like, well, how serious is this? Like, what are we needing to do? And um, he's like, you should you should get her affairs in order. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, OK, we're talking real stuff here. Um, we're not talking like just some no. you know thing that she'll be okay here in a couple of weeks or something. It was like telling what having someone tell me to get my mother's affairs in order was like, Oh shit, I got to grow up fast. <laughs> this <laughs> Can is, imagine. Yeah. This is, Oh fuck. Life is real now. Like this is it. It was, um, yeah, it was a real gut punch for sure. I remember so, we redid my living trust. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, why I brought that up though, is because now you're going through those first few months I guess I didn't know it was from March till July, but like treatment hadn't started yet. That was a dark time. But then it was like, as time went on, you started looking into alternatives. You started becoming more proactive in your health. And that became like your new passion project, your new hobby was like taking care of yourself. And so I've seen other people. I think we've all seen other people like that have been in enduring and going through cancer and the mindset is this negative one like okay well i'm taking this these fluids and they're keeping me alive but i'll be dead soon yeah that seems that seems to be the vibe that i pick up from people that have cancer and for you you were in this like different gear like this other gear kicked in and yeah you're getting dressed up to go to the, your chemo treatments and you're reading books and i remember reading a book um because you were talking about doing THC treatments, and I remember reading on cannabinoids and how, like, uh, which cannabinoids specifically would be um, uh, of benefit to you or to people on cancer, on cancer, that people with cancer. Um, and, yeah, we it just became this thing, like, all right, we're going to see what else we can do because it's not just chemo. It's There's more to it. Well, I think I got... Um, <clears throat> oh, Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, I shouldn't do that in the mic, huh? No, that's not a good idea. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Um, If you recall, it was like, I think about eight or nine months after the diagnosis is when I found out that it did not have to be a death sentence. Mm. Uh, I remember calling you and telling you, and you're like, well, what do you mean, you know? And uh, Because I I talked to Dr. Sanchez, who was my doctor in Vegas, and he said he had a patient who uh, had it 20 years before. He did a stem cell transplant, which was a, which must have been barbaric back then. And because uh, they're still pretty bad now, very invasive, you know, and dangerous. And you don't know what's going to happen. So um, he told me that his patient had done that and he had not been on any kind of drug or chemo and he was a workaholic and he just lived his life normally, came and checked in once a year. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, so the doctor in the hospital told me I'd be dead in three to five years. And Dr. Sanchez looked at me and says, do you want to be? I said, no. He goes, well, then you're not going to be. Wow, that's cool. He was a cool doctor. Yeah, I met him a few yeah. times. He's a cool guy. Yeah, and um, what that what, turned what, me around. What clinic is he with? Who's, what oh, organization is that? I forgot what the name of the of his clinic is. It, it's him and a few other let's doctors. Pull, let's, let's pull him up. 
because he he was yeah. he really was a cool dude. He, yeah, he was with you for a while. Doctor Sanchez, Las Vegas, uh, yeah. Nevada Oncology, Las Vegas. No, oncology? I think it was maybe comprehensive cancer. On uh, oncology. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's him. Yeah, James Sanchez. Doctor yeah. James Sanchez. <clears throat> what's uh? Let's see what what's the organization he's with? Mountain View Hospital. Uh, no, that. <clears throat> that's the hospital i'm sorry i don't know what's going on uh, <laughs> he has his own clinic what's going on which is, i mean he's that's affiliated him. with that you got to talk into the mic there he's, he's affiliated with that hospital but he has his own clinic which i believe is comprehensive cancer center there it is on the Nevada. far right Con comprehensive. yes there we go okay cool we just wanted to make sure he gets the right yeah uh, shout out there so comprehensive cancer centers dr james sanchez meet the team and uh it's in a whole list of people they were more somewhere. open too when i Maybe started he moved i don't see his name on there anymore really yeah what well, do you i think he's at mountain view hospital now no i know he was affiliated with that but well it, it, it said meet the team and he's not on that list huh interesting the, the last link we were at yeah he's at a uh, mountain view hospital now well, typically an oncologist is affiliated with certain hospitals, yeah. but they don't work from there all the time. I mean, they have their own clinic as yeah. well. Well, Dr. Sanchez, wherever you are today. Yes, yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were more open, too, when I started to talk about alternative stuff. and you He was know. cool with THC and stuff? Uh, did I bring that up with him? I can't remember, but if I had, I know he would have been okay about it. Not that it. he was prescribing it. Let's no, be, let's he, be he clear. No. Well, he was you, in Nevada. In Nevada, were, it was legal. Right. So, but he wouldn't have been allowed to. No, he know. still can't prescribe it, though. But yeah. we're just clarifying that for anyone listening. Like, you were doing it on your own volition and yes. telling him. Yes. But what, did, what were his thoughts when you told him you're doing alternative stuff? Uh, he was okay with it. Like, you know, I, I he said if you're going to take um, any kind of uh, of drug or, you know, strong supplements. Or he says, just give us the list so that we make sure that there's no, um, what, do you, what do you call that when two drugs? Side effects? Yeah, no, n the, when two drugs don't combine well. Um, a bad know. date? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, like, so you take Side one effects, drug right? and then you take another one and then uh, something bad happens because they're, um, they don't combine well. Huh. So he just wanted to make sure that it didn't affect my treatment that I was getting from him, which at the time was chemo. Yeah. I hadn't graduated to the better drugs, which are like, you know, autoimmune drugs, which you don't, which is so stupid. If you got those drugs at the beginning, people would heal a lot faster. But the pharmaceutical companies, you know, they want their big bucks for having created the first drug. So they put you on that and you're dealing with insurance companies. So you're SOL. What uh, so let's visit on that about the drugs because what is it, it? You're sure that it's the pharmaceutical company guiding this because they're the ones that are just selling this to the pra to the practices. So is it the insurance company that's saying let's go with this cheaper drug first and that if it fixes you then now we've saved money? No, I don't think it's they're, they're necessarily cheaper. Um, but what happens? So let's say you're a pharmacist. That's what I've thought. I haven't looked this up. I haven't confirmed this, but it makes sense. I mean, it's logical. And, you know, there's a reason why they put you on those other drugs before they put you on the really good drug, you know, and the, your only reason I could come up with is that, you know, the pharmaceutical company developed the first line of defense 
cancer, you know, multiple myeloma drug, mm-hmm. and they need to make a certain amount of money back to pay back all the research and everything they did. And they sure. need to sell a truckload of them, you know, t- to make a profit so their investors are happy. If you start taking the better drug that you don't get now till the third or fourth line of defense, if everybody did that, nobody would take this one and they wouldn't make their investment back. But aren't those mm, first line of defense drugs, the, the cheaper drugs or whatever, the, the ones they're prescribing first, isn't that some, aren't those older and now the better ones that work better are newer? Yes. So that's the, that's why that's going on like that? Yeah, but I don't think it cost is involved because some of the newer drugs might cost less. I mean, I remember one drug they had me on was $17,000 a month. Jeez. And the one that I like, the Kyprolis one, I think is only about 13000 So you see what I'm saying? They were still oh, selling yeah. that first one because they needed to, to, you know, make all their money back and the profit they planned on making from it. You were doing, you were responding good, at, well to Kyprolis. That was yeah, like I, yeah, ones. that was the best one. But, you know, I couldn't get that until I'd failed at three other line, uh, three other drugs, three other... Um, combinations i mean they give you combinations of which i refuse essentially you have to really take hold of your care and you have to be er, an advocate for yourself or have an advocate with you and you have to be really strong i mean you know that night that i almost died because they were giving me they were giving me such a high dosage of the kyprolis it's a great drug but my system doesn't need as much as some other person. They were giving me that and another drug. And I remember you were out of town working, and I spent the worst 24 hours of my life. I mean, I talk about it in the, the book in the chapter where I said, I decide, you know. I realized so many things after I started to be better, but I was, I remember being in such bad shape. My stomach, was, I looked like I was nine months pregnant because all this crap, like all the drug, I mean, my system was trying to handle it to get rid of it. My back hurt. I think my liver was probably swelled up and uh, just a splitting headache and nausea. I couldn't even reach over to the night table and grab my phone to call anybody. That's how bad things were. Mm. And I just stayed there for hours and hours. And a couple of times I actually went, you know, I had to go to the bathroom. And I remember crawling along the wall, like holding the wall as I walked to get there and come back. And by the next, I, I, and I didn't sleep. But by the next morning or early afternoon, things started to get better. I mean, I guess it was processing. You know, my body was figured out a way to handle it. Well, I thought I was going to die. And I actually welcomed it. I even felt, I swear, I felt death in the room. Mm. And I remember thinking of it as a, as a she, you know, and I, I remember th- in my head, I was saying, okay, I'm ready, let's go. And she pulled back. Death I is felt a, that. Death is a lady dressed in black. I don't know. She was, it was an energy. I didn't think of of a way that she was dressed, but I felt like it was a feminine energy. Hmm. And was it because you're, you're female? It might be. I don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. And then as soon as I said that, I felt the pullback of that energy. Like it was like, no, I don't know. I don't think I'm taking you yet. You know? And then I started to think I went over like, Everything that I was doing, you know, because by then I was doing alternatives too. 
and I had started to work on emotional healing and I was meditating, doing quantum meditations with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza and, but I was all over the place. It was still chaos. Mm. I hadn't taken a hold of it. I would, it was like I was throwing shit up against the wall to see what would stick. Yeah. You know, there was no um, real, uh, and I didn't have a, a, a naturopath oncologist yet. So after that night, I became determined that I was going to fucking fix this thing, you know, or leave the planet. <laughs> um, and so I hired a naturopath. You know, I said, I got to take, uh, you know, find from a professional what, what the best thing is to do with all these alternatives because I was trying this for a while and trying that, you know, based on articles I'd read and research I'd read. So I went to the naturopath oncologist and she set me straight. We did all kinds of other tests that, you know, uh, health insurance won't pay for. And based on that, she prescribed like a ton of supplements, you know, whatever my body was missing. Yeah. Those supplements replaced, you know, so between that and then I took the meditations more seriously, like I was doing them, but a part of me didn't really believe it would work. I realized that that night, too. Mm hmm you know and so i was determined that first of all i wouldn't let the doctor the, the traditional oncologist push me around anymore they were insisting on giving me this higher dose and i went to her and said you know what either the dose is lowered because obviously my body can't handle that dose and we only take the kyprolis not this other drug you also you know they had me on the second chemo drug yeah and I said, either we lower the Kyprolis and I don't take that second drug anymore. I'm going to walk out of here and take my chances with just the alternatives. And she was all like flustered, you know, and she clackety clack on the keyboard and doing <laughs> a few things. And finally she says, okay, we'll lower the Kyprolis by 20% and, uh, you know, you won't do the second drug anymore. So I agreed to that, and things started to turn around. You know, between that and all the supplements I was doing to boost up my immune system, because mm -hmm. really all those alternatives, like when it come uh, alternatives when it comes to um, supplements and such, what they're doing, they're not curing whatever you have. Although some of them, like if you take curcumin, uh, that's been known. There's been studies done that it actually kills multiple myeloma cells. It weakens them a lot. Can you pull and that then up, the John? Chemo while we're talking, kills them. Curcumin killing multiple myeloma. Yeah. Well, th the way that it's doing it is it weakens the cells. So then when the chemo hits them, they're a lot less resistant to it. Mm -hmm. Well, you touched on something. Per just wave at me when you find uh, anything on it. But um, you, you said something interesting a second ago, like the, the alternatives themselves don't create, don't, don't cure it. And I think that's um, maybe important for people to understand. Well, it boosts your immune system. In yeah. such a way that then your immune system takes care of it. Now, some do, like the curcumin. It actually weakens uh, the multiple myeloma cells. Mm -hmm. And then, when, the, like I said, the chemo hits it, they die. But um, most of that stuff that I've been taking, that I still take, um, it it's all about boosting up my immune system. Mm -hmm. What... Um what you had a bad response to though to curcumin didn't you didn't you have some i i thought happen? i thought it was giving me a hand rash but it was uh, that was like 
three years ago. I, I think that it was actually whatever chemo drug I was on at the time that was causing it because I take curcumin now, like really high dose curcumin yeah. every day and I don't have a rash. What's a high, what's the dose level that you're taking in curcumin? Uh, oh my God, I'd have to look at the bottle, but I'm taking like the bottle says take four uh, caplets per day mm-hmm. uh, and I take uh, nine. Okay. So I think it's about 8,000 milligrams altogether. Altogether. Yeah, I think so. More than double what the the bottle mm-hmm. says. Yeah, like somebody like you would be fine with just the, you know, the four yeah. gel caps probably, but we're trying to do more with my body. You yeah. know, I find that interesting because I want to I want to unpack this. It, it may take a minute for us to do that, but you have systems where insurance companies only approve certain treatments. The doctors insist on this standardized level of treatment and you had to fight with literally getting an argument with your doctor to to reduce the dosage levels you get a vitamin bottle that tells you take this many vitamins per day um like i was i was looking at my uh i even talked to my doctor about this i had him on a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. um but the vitamin d so i did the the lab results my vitamin d was a little low and so the bottle says just take like i don't know three or four drops a day and each drop is a thousand IU, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers. Um, but um, then I was talking to him and talking to other people, and um, and I'm taking ten drops a day now because it's you were that low. Well, it wasn't that low. It was my my numbers were just a little bit lower. But people that I've talked to are like, well, to actually see a tangible result, like in a reasonable amount of time, you have to up that. Yeah, get it, get after it. Yeah, it, so it's like. The the supplement is may is I think the dosage levels are meant for like a maintenance dose, not for like a catch you up because you're deficient dose. Yeah. And so this whole the whole thing where there's standardized dosage levels that our doctors are prescribing because you said clickety clack the computer's telling them what to do. Um, you the insurance companies say what to do, the dosage levels on these vitamin bottles. So it, it's just it's interesting to hear like that mindset like it's not only are you taking an alternative thing where you're taking curcumin but you're also doubling the do- more than doubling the dose um so how did you come across feeling comfortable with breaking protocol from like what these recommendations were on these bottles and what the doctors are telling you to do like how did you get comfortable with kind of breaking these recommended instructions well i decided i trusted my naturopath oncologist and she prescribed that amount Mm-hmm. She said that that's the amount that really worked, that made a difference. Yeah. Did you get anything there, John? It's from the NIH. Yeah. Let's let's take a look at this. I didn't mean to break off topic, but okay. So use of curcumin. This is the National Institute of Health.gov. Use of curcumin in multiple myeloma patients intolerant of steroid therapy. Um, and the steroid is uh, dexamethasone, right? Yeah, and it's okay. awful. Yeah, well, I've seen you on it. Yeah, you can you can get pretty goofy sometimes. Go back up just a little bit right there, the abstract. So, yeah, you, you'll get kind of goofy on uh, on dexamethasone. Well, the reason for the dexamethasone is that it does that same thing as curcumin. It, it weakens the multiple myeloma cells, and then the chemo kills it better. Yeah. That's why they give it to you. Like, if you're, if you're on it at the, the doctor, they infuse you with 20 milligrams of it, which is... A, ridiculous dose that was another thing i had to completely lower you know the naturopath oncologist told me you need to get off that shit asap 
yeah. you know, we have to like, wean you off of it. So we did. I mean, it, they were giving me 20 milligrams. I was all messed up for like three days after, you know, and longer. And uh, we, in the end, I was taking, it was either two or four milligrams and I felt fine, mm. especially because of the, the like Kyprolis was uh, a lot lower and I was doing a curcumin. So I don't know how it would work if I had not been also taking the curcumin. Yeah. You know? Is this uh, on the picture in picture sizes? Is it? Is it yeah, I remember this article. I ha- oh, I have read oh, it. Hold on. Yeah, so. I'm asking John. So on oh. the picture in picture, is it the the normal window size? People can see it. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> deviate, guys. Uh, just want to make sure people that are watching can see. But we're reading this article, National Institute of Health abstract. Curcumin, when used in a combination regimen in multiple myeloma patients, has comparable uh, progression-free survival without the adverse effects of steroid-based combination therapies, that is curcumin, may be a viable alternative to corticosteroids in combination with an immuno an immunomodular modulatory modu ooh that's a great word uh, mm-hmm. to uh, in combination with an immunomodulatory drug or prote- proteasome inhibitor so it's mainly just saying that hey instead of dexamethasone or something like that you can supplement curcumin but see that night when i i wanted to die i had uh, not, I wanted to see what it would be like if I did not take any DEX at all. So all I had, I had gone and gotten treatment with just the uh, curcumin, but I was uh. on such a high dose of Kyprolis and then that other chemo drug that the curcumin just could not, uh, you know, it wasn't enough to control the side effect of that high dosage of two drugs. Wow. So, so that, what is it, ha- what is it happening then? What is, what is the purpose in your experience of having the steroid or the curcumin in combination with the with the um, um, the chemo, the, the chemo, yeah. Uh, well, they say that it handles the side effect and exactly w- and on top, so it makes the multiple myeloma cell weaker, and then it controls the side effects. And I, you know, that night I certainly found out that it's true that it does that, but that's because I was, I mean, you know, and the dose, my chemo dosage was way too high for me. Mm-hmm. So it would help a lot. I didn't notice it until that night when, you know, I didn't take the DEX um, with treatment. And then I saw the the reaction of my body. And uh, so I think it handles nausea. It, it does a bunch. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but it definitely worked on the side effects because from not taking it, I saw what happens to you, Yeah, you know, and that's when I realized like the, and plus the dosage was high. I think they had to rate, you know, because when they first start you on a chemo drug, they slowly make it, you know, the dosage higher and higher until they get to that point where, you know, what, what's whatever the standard right. amount should be. They don't give you the full dosage right away. You, you have two, three, four treatments first. Sure. So they had upped my dose of the Kyprolis, I think, too, on, on that treatment. So between that and not taking the DAX, I was in super bad shape. And uh, But once I got the dosage down, that worked for me. And it, it worked perfectly. I didn't need that, whatever that higher dosage was, because it, it went completely away on the smaller dosage. Mm-hmm. You know, but once I was on the smaller dosage, I, four grams, I mean, sorry, 
four milligrams or two milligrams of dex was enough to control the side effects along with the you know the curcumin so yeah it's amazing to see what a difference a, a natural supplement will make in reducing your dependency or your need for mm -hmm. uh, the steroid because uh, isn't long-term use of steroids bad very bad it's just so many bad side effects i don't even know i can't remember them all maybe we could look them yeah. up let's do uh, side effects uh, of uh, dexamethasone yeah um it's it's just awful like it does a lot it creates a lot of chaos in the body but what i want i don't want anybody to think what was that yeah oh, aggression agitation yeah yeah so we're looking at side effects of dexamethasone Aggression, agitation, anxiety, decrease in the amount of urine. Okay. Fast, slow, pounding, or irregular heartbeat, headache, mental depression, mood changes. I have... There's more, too, like on a physical level. Yeah. Well, there's a whole list here. It's crazy. Um, noisy, rattling, breathing. It sounds like a loose muffler or something. It's a weird <laughs> side effect. I have noticed... I can't even read that. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> makes you feel weird. <laughs> Oh, there's did all that to me. There's a whole bunch of others down there. Decreased vision, diarrhea, eye pain. There's all kinds of shit. Yep. Facial hair growth in females. Did you experience that? I don't think so. I never noticed that. Oh. Um, yeah. One one thing I've noticed is that you get just made. I think those are bad side effects, right? But like good in terms of good things, I have noticed that you get more energy. Yeah, you do. Well, it uh, hypes you up. I mean, you yeah. know, I remember cleaning the kitchen at four in the morning. It's like, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. I, I had the chemo drug. You know, I should be resting, let my body rest. But yeah. so my body wants to rest. But, you know, the decks like in my head, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. you know, I, I can't stop doing stuff. Yeah. Even though I feel exhausted and I know I should lie down and I, I can't. Yeah. Well, it's basically speed. I mean, that's yeah, what <laughs> it is. It's like being on speed. You're describing a meth addict. Or yeah, something. you know, I remember a while, like I was in my very early 20s. I think I was no, I was. Oh no, I had come back from Amsterdam by then. So I was. I had a roommate in New York, you know, and she was always taking Black Beauties, which is essentially speed and stuff. And she says whenever I mean, we, you know, every now and then she'd slip one my way. And I, one, one night we're all having dinner. There's a bunch of friends over, and she goes, "Yeah, whenever I want the house clean, I just give Maurice a Black Beauty, and she like does it." <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole house is spotless in, in less than an afternoon. <laughs> they're called black beauties? Yeah, well, I don't know if they're still called is that. that. Still? We're talking something that's, you know, uh, 45, can... 46 years ago. I mean, before you were born, you weren't even a... a, a black beauties capsules in yes, the 1970s. A, yep. What drug was that? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. What a headline. Was Black Beauties was the street name for a combination amphetamine capsule tablet containing 10 milligrams of an amphetamine and 10 milligrams of dextroamphetamine. Tra the trade name of Black Beauties was Bifetamine 20, I guess because it's 20 milligrams of two different drugs. Amphetamines are stimulants, blah, blah, blah. The use of uh, uh, the use of Black Beauties as a street drug exploded in the 60s and 70s when people started taking it recreationally. At the time, black beauties were widely considered a cheap and legal alternative to cocaine <laughs> and popular among people wanting to get high or to increase their wakefulness. It wasn't until 65 when they became illegal except on prescription and then the Controlled Subst Substances Act 
was passed in 1970 that their use began to decline. Bifetamine 20 was withdrawn from the market in 1998. Oh. So it's wow. similar to Adderall is what it says down here, which oh. is still available today. So you, you had the precursor to Adderall. No I wonder you were so. cleaning the kitchen. and. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was totally cleaning insane. Everything. It's treat, it treats people with ADHD. Yeah, you had the, uh, the grandparent to uh, Adderall. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do it that often, probably a half a dozen times or so. But I remember going to a, a her, like my roommate's doctor. She went to a doctor to get a prescription for it. Yeah. The whole freaking waiting room was full of people. I could tell they were on it like all the time. So this doctor was just were they all handing itchy? out, uh, <laughs> handing out. I don't think they, I don't remember that. That That's more like heroin will do that oh, to okay. you. But uh, I remember that kind of freaked me out. You know, there must have been like 12, 15 people in that waiting room. And I could tell they were all there for the same thing. And, you know, Sue went in the back, talked to the doctor. I mean, she was in and out in less than three minutes, you know. So wow. <laughs> She just went in, paid whatever the visit was, and got a prescription. Hmm. And, you know, handed them out to other people sometimes, so, like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were talking Black Beauties. Uh, it reminded you of dexamethasone? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of the, the same feel. Although... With the dex, because you know, I was getting chemo to like when you're on the when I was on the black beauties, my body didn't feel tired, mm -hmm. you know, I was just all of me was buzzing, but uh, yeah, you know, with the dex, it's, it was like that was forcing me up and moving and doing stuff, even though I felt exhausted. It's a weird feeling, and plus, you know, it made me bitchy and I wanted to kill people, and <laughs> you know, all so like thinking in my head, I'm, I'm gonna fucking kill these people for doing that, you know, and I'd be like, what? am i thinking like oh my god what's happening <laughs> <laughs> oh geez awful feeling yeah yeah what did you um so <laughs> so it's good that you're not on so much dex and, uh, oh my that gosh that's taking for sure a smaller yeah it's amount. awful yeah so what did you so you're doing this journey you're taking alternative stuff i remember you had bottles like 30 something bottles on the kitchen counter because you were experimenting with different things like you said you're throwing stuff on the wall seeing what sticks what are you doing now that you've kind of found your protocol like that's the sweet spot for like dealing with multiple myeloma well, that's essentially what I, I mean, I'm, I, I am only taking the um, supplements that the naturopath oncologist. Yeah. Um, Did we go over all know, those, though? Did we list them all? No, no, I have to, like, I still have like, oh, yeah, I that's think what I, I take that, about 20 supplements a day. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. So what is yeah. it that you are taking? Oh, like? my gosh, I don't know them all off the top of my head, but uh, curcumin is definitely one of them. Um, Boswellia, berberine, uh, zinc. Mm -hmm. uh, uh forte, but that's to control um, to make sure i don't have a recurrence of, of breast cancer mm. um and a bunch of other ones they're not i'd have to go look at my bottles i mean now i just take them automatically I, I i know how many to pull i don't even read my list anymore you know i've done it so many times i just put them in a little um bowl and uh, you know dump them all in there and then swallow Put in a bowl of cereal and just kind of no, like eat it. In, in a little, um, <laughs> what are those things called? A little a pill ramekin. Thing? Ramekin. I put them in a ramekin and then and, and just take them. And it's become habit. I never used to like swallowing pills and stuff, but I got, I got used to it. What's a ramekin? Those little round things that the sm small little bowls. Like a pestle, a mortar no, and pestle. No, it's thing? a ramekin, Paul. Like those are ramekins. Oh. 
I thought that was like a little. Yeah, I never knew that was the name. Yeah, I, I always thought that was for like a creme brulee dish or something. Well, yeah, it's a ramekin. Well, yeah, I just never knew. That. <laughs> <laughs> just, English major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can keep telling me that's the name. I just didn't know that <laughs> didn't was. Didn't know the name. what it was. Yeah, okay. I didn't know. Okay. What I want to make clear, though, is that during my journey. I came to really respect the traditional doctors and the traditional drugs too. I mean, I believe that you need all three. You need traditional alternative, but mostly above all of those, you need emotional. You have to heal your emotional body. Mm. You know, you have to work with the energy around your body because what we know now, like Joe Dispenza says that uh, we used to think that cells took their instructions from within themselves and now we know that, um, I don't want to say this wrong, now we know that they get their instructions from the energy uh, around them, but it also involves, like there's a light from within, I think the biosporus or something is what it's called, so they emanate a light, that light stretches out to around them, which touches the energy around, something along those lines. Um, so based on that, so in emotions are energy. So any emotions you have affects that field of energy that they're taking their instructions from. So then it makes sense that if you clear your emotional bodies, if you ha your emotional body, if you have a healthy emotional body, that the environment your cells live in will be well. You know, it, it's it's like they're they're taking good energy, not bad stuff. Mm -hmm. and because it, 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 all the energy around them affects them. So I felt a huge difference. So I've done a lot of quantum meditation. I still do. And some people swear by it, that just that alone will cure you. I never stopped there. I see it as the linchpin that made everything else work. Mm. But I think you need to do more than that. And I do a lot of stuff for emotional healing because I had a lot of trauma. You know, I mean, if you read my you read my first book, you know, my story, a lot of early trauma that just, you know, all that crap. That's what the, you know, my cells were getting instructions from that. No wonder I ended up with, you know, breast cancer twice and, and then multiple myeloma because that trauma was deep, deep, deep inside me. I mean, you know, like down to the bone, right? And guess what? I have a disease <laughs> that eats my bones from the inside out. But uh, the emotional healing is super important. So I do EMDR. I've, d I've done all, you know, different uh, therapy, talk therapy for years now, since the almost the beginning. Um, and now I do EMDR. I, I do the, the meditation and uh, breathing work. Uh, there's a thing called, maybe pull that up, uh, Arthmath. I think it's .org or .com, but I have a little gizmo. I, I, it checks my heart rate variability, which makes a huge difference in your lifespan and then the wellness of your body in general. Mm -hmm. And so I do that several times a day to control my heart variability rate. Which is, the heart variability is that very small amount, like split-second amount of time between your breaths. And weirdly enough, that uh, has a lot to do with your general health and general well-being. And since I've been using it, which has only been like, a, I'm going to say, uh, probably a month I've uh, been doing it, I feel a big difference. Like I feel um, peaceful at my core. Mm -hmm. I feel more grounded. Um 
So it's probably a combination of that and the EMDR too, but I don't have like that crazy running negative train in my head of thoughts, you know, that just colliding, constant crashing all day long, you know, which I believe was brought on because I had a, I had so much anxiety. I mean, I grew up with it. I didn't even, I had so much anxiety from, from such a young age that I thought it's just how we are. I didn't realize it till I was well in my 40s and someone I was close to pointed it out to me that I, I, I suffered from high anxiety. It took me days to come to the conclusion that, wow, that's what this is? Like, this is what's going on? Mm. I didn't even know. Because, you know, when you live something your with something your entire life, how, how the fuck do you know it's supposed to be any different, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you just covered, you went over, I like that you covered just kind of the whole scheme of everything that you're working on um it sounds like a full-time job it really is it is yeah. that's my full-time job and anything i do for a living takes a backseat <laughs> to it well i mean it's not as bad now because i've, I've got a a, a good regimen going mm -hmm. so uh it's just but th there's no way i mean some people think that they can just pop a pill and get over everything it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. you know I want to. You uh, have to do the work. I mean, anybody can heal. Like you'll see the last chapter in my book. It's called Miracle Schmiracle, and you know, I was th th that. What brought? I mean, how I came to write that is I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine in Arizona. For you know, we talk about once a year or twice for a long time, and she says, "Wow, Maurice, you're a miracle. You know that you survive all that." And that just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not a miracle. I just, you know, did a lot of stuff, research, and, you know, worked on healing myself and all that. But it, it bugged me to a point where I thought about it even after we hung up the phone. I'm like, why does that bother me so much that she said that, you know? And then I thought of, because if you call it a miracle, then you take all the power away from me. Mm-hmm. Right, it takes my power away. I did the work. I did all that. Right. Not some miracle, miracle, you know, something out there. Um, and then I thought, well, and if I'm a miracle, then other people think, well, it can't happen for them, which is not true. It, it can happen for everybody if you do the work that I did. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure she wasn't meaning anything. No, no, she didn't mean. It. She just to her, you know, it was yeah. a miracle that I that I survived that. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting when people are blaming Providence for the events that happen in their life and they completely discount any value that they have, what they brought any, to the table. any hand that they had in making, manifesting change in their life. And it's like, you realize that you did that, right? Like, it's not, whether or not you believe in a God or whatever, it's um, people blame their deity for so many things. And it could be a good or a bad thing, but... They, they say that their deity is the cause for all these things. And it's like, it, it, I think it discounts the individual human experience as though you had no, no ability, no skills, no m determination, no motivation, uh, none of that to affect change in your life. And that's, um, I, would, I would even say it's harmful in a way because if you don't believe in yourself that you can do something, and that it's something else doing it for you and just moving you around like a puppet. And then you, what are you then? What's, yeah, what's, you have why no do you, control. Well, why do you even exist then? That's the question I, 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 the conclusion I come to is like, why do you even exist then? Uh, if you were just a puppet for this deity to do stuff, 
why do you even exist? What's the point of your yeah your being alive? And that's one point of view for sure. Yeah. But you know, we are. I mean, th that's a different conversation, of course. But I in in so many ways, we are but puppets down here. You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, we can we can get in into society. That. <laughs> that's, but that, yeah, like I said, it's a different conversation for sure. In what way do you see that we're puppets? Oh, come on! There's so many things we can't control. You know, like what our governments have us do, and the stories they tell us, and mm. how we're nurtured through a schooling system that teaches you nothing about how to live life. You know, nothing that's useful in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just that whole thing i mean do you want to start talking about that or <laughs> we just talk about whatever go go yeah. wherever it takes us i think i have strong opinions there yeah well i was talking about a deity but if we're talking yeah, about well, yeah we could talk about that too because you know like i i my take on that like people who, who um credit their deity for say a healing um or any good thing that comes their way did you not notice that when something bad happens to them, they think it's like the devil did it. It has nothing to do with the deity. So they separate. If something good happens, their God fixed it. Yeah. If something bad happens, ooh, you know, the devil got in there or something, you know. It's the, it's car a, it's the cartoon uh, from the 1950s where, like, you, you have this decision in your head and, like, the little devil, Goofy, yes, yes. shows up. And then the, the angel, angel, Goofy, shows yeah. up. And then, yeah, they, they have a conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm anti-religion. I mean, I, uh, apologies to anybody who's very religious. But, you know, I'm very spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, I, d I separate, and I think we all must separate religiosity from spirituality. I mean, in spirituality, you believe, I believe there's a, an energy out there that created us. I mean, I believe that there's a, you know, a, a source from which we all came. Mm. So whether I call that the universe, sometimes God, but when I say God, that's what I mean, you know? Uh, I don't mean yeah. like some guy with a white beard sitting up in a throne in, in, in the sky. You mm -hmm. know, that's totally illogical to me. It makes, and I know religion is not supposed to be logical, but it doesn't even make sense to me. Forget the logic. Yeah. Um, so I, I do believe in that. And when you're healing yourself, you tap into that like that's what quantum meditation is you literally take yourself out of your body out of your head into the quantum field and everything exists there mm -hmm. so you can take back anything you want so i've been doing it on mainly on healing but you know if you want to be a billionaire or you want to find your perfect mate or there's a house you really want to buy and you don't know how you're going to be able to do it i mean you just go out there you reach out and the the information comes to you and people who have had like there's a lot of people who do joe dispenza's work who've had like uh, spontaneous healing i wasn't one of them the majority of them you have to do it over a long time along like some people have done it for like two years and been fully healed you know i did it for two years religiously like every day and then i kind of slowed down um and i'll probably gear up again i think it's okay to sometimes you know take breaks, not do as much as you normally do because uh, you kind of want the contrast too, you know? Is yeah, so I know I know meditation is something where I sit there with my legs crossed or I lay on the bed or something and there's soft music or a person talking and um, I guide myself through, um, 
you know, a relaxation technique or I listen to someone doing that and I'm just kind of getting my head clear. So for me, that's kind of um, what I've known as meditation. So how does that differ? How does quantum meditation differ from from what I just described? Oh, well, the first thing you do is uh, so you have eight energy centers, right? Seven in your body, one above your head. Chakras? Uh, yeah, some people call them chakras. Okay. Uh, and what you're doing is you're pulling. So, so your mind sits a lot, like in the first three energy centers, you know. And so what, when you're doing that, that meditation, you're pulling all the energy up all through every energy center and out through your head. And now you're out in the field. And so you're guided all the way through it. And essentially, you're just out there. You're just feeling it. You know, you put all of your focus out there. Mm -hmm. And you go as far as you possibly can. Now you're in a field. And then you start feeling like that thing that you want. Like for me, it was healing. So I reached out to the energy of healing out there. And then you bring it back and you do it in reverse. Like you take it all the way through your energy centers going down, down to the first one. So that's a simplified explanation that I think everybody could probably understand. Yeah, so you're, you're uh, I've, uh, and we actually, uh, we talked about this. Uh, Brendan was on last week in uh, the last episode. Yeah. And so she, um, she described uh, something else. She was talking about mindfulness or, or, um, Something didn't we pulled up something, John, where we had a an electromagnet, like the human body is an electromagnet, like yeah. the field. Mm -hmm. So the head top of the head is basically the antenna, mm -hmm. more or less. Uh, above the head, it's like the antenna, and then so you're saying you're going out of the body, uh, leaving yourself, yes, reaching into a field of what? It's a it's a, a an energy field. Okay. I mean, you really feel, I have actually, you know, like the, the, the goal is to feel like you're, you forget that you have a body and that's happened to me a few times and it's a little bit freaky. So, you know, I've never stayed there very long, but my goal is to eventually stay there a lot longer because those few times when I really reached out mm -hmm. there, I was literally my, I was, my consciousness was completely outside my body. I felt like I was like here. You know, like looking all around outside my body. Mm. It was uh, yeah. it was quite an experience. It, it's really really cool, and I wish I could stay there longer. But the body pulls you back. You know, so you have to. The, the The idea is to do it over and over and over again until that doesn't happen anymore. Until your your body realizes that it's not anything to be afraid of. You know, because when your mind does it too, because your mind's, um, your brain rather. Uh, task is to make sure that you survive and that you're safe so you can reproduce right mm. so for you to leave it like that it freaks out and you know wants you back where it can control you oh the lizard brain is like uh no it's, it's the be. whole brain yeah okay. like uh, yeah because its purpose is for that like to keep you alive <clears throat> and um to what was the other thing it's three things to keep you alive because it wants to make sure you reproduce so that's all it does keep you safe keep you alive and make sure you reproduce okay yeah 
it does a lot more than than we think in many ways. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm interested because um, if we think about like religion, deities, if we think about quantum meditation, you're talking about like, well, you can meditate and become a billionaire, get that job or a car. And it just almost seems to me like it's another replacement for God, help me get this job or God, you know, no, make, I don't me, think make so. my little boy well again. And, and now you're just doing another version of that and making it scientific sounding. But it, it is much more so because you have a hand in it. You're creating it. You're mm -hmm. not asking something else to create it. You are doing it. Mm -hmm. You're taking action. And then that can't just be during meditation. You have to take that feeling that you, you get, like the, the one that you, like the healing feeling that I was after. You know, so I bring it back in my body. I can't just get up from meditation and go off about my day like the way I've always have. I have to get up as that new person and I have to keep that feeling inside me as much as possible in the 24 hours between today's meditation and tomorrow's and I have to take action mm -hmm. but you know my inspiration I think you know to finally do I hire a natural pet oncologist and go into uh, <clears throat> sorry and go into um, you know energy healing and emotional healing that came from meditation mm-hmm so, but I yeah. took action on those things. So, you, you know, when people, they just say a prayer once and then they think it's going to happen, it, it, that doesn't really work. I mean, some people might say it does. Sometimes you have spontaneous stuff happen in the world, you know, even with quantum meditation. Some people have spontaneous healings. Most of them don't. They have to do the work over a period of time. I kind of equate this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of equate this to like the outcome that I have from a mushroom trip where... I'm getting a download, but that's not the work. I'm I'm getting I'm coming back from another place in a way, or I'm coming back from having a conversation with them, <laughs> and I'm coming back with new information. Yes. So then I write it down, but now that's just information that's written down. So that's great. I came back from another place with information I didn't have before. It's written down. But if I don't do anything with that information, yeah, it goes away. What's the what was the point of even the whole experience anyway? Yeah, it's that I need yeah. to do. I need to act on that information. So is that mm -hmm. kind of what you're describing here? Yeah, uh, but it, it goes. Yes, you have to take action and everything, but you have to become that new person. I had to become the healed person. I had to feel at all times like I was healed. Right, but is that? That's after the meditation is over, though, right? And that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm describing. Also, is that when I'm done with the trip, is I I have to go start trying to become this, work on becoming this thing that I've now well, visualized. You're, you're taking action from the information you got, but I I think that probably it would behoove you to also feel as though it's already happened because that's what makes it happen in the end. You have to feel. Like you are like you know, for healing, mm -hmm. I have to feel like I'm already healed at all times. So what it's is not it? that easy? I mean, you have yeah. to, it's something you have to you have to take action. You have to work on it. You have to constantly remind yourself. So then, what is it that's actually manifesting the change? Then is it the meditation or is it the mindset change that comes from the meditation? That now I I, I feel a certain way mentally having meditated now. My in my mind, I'm believing that I'm going to be a certain thing, and that's the thing that's actually manifesting. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, like, yes, and I believe it's a combination of both. Okay. You create it out there in the field, you bring it back, but if you don't use it, it's going to go away. 
Got it. So they're 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 both necessary. Yes. To yes. complete those three stuff. things are necessary. You do the meditation, so you get that feeling. You bring it back and within. You have to keep feeling it, and you have to take action. So keep feeling it. I get that because I meditated on something. I felt a certain way during the meditation, and now I have to stay in that. Yes, you have to stay in that state. Energy state. Yeah, I get that. And then what's the doing? Taking action, like, you know, from whatever, like, so my, to, for me to take my, the actions I took was to take charge of my traditional care. I didn't let the oncologist bully me anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because I saw it as bullying. She just saw it as being a good doctor and taking good care of me. You know, everybody has their own take on, on the situation, right? Sure. So, um, and, you know, she said to me something one time that's kind of funny, but it, it's true. Like, she, you know, when, once I was all healed, it was all gone, right? And she's about to walk out of the room, and she turns to me, and she goes, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say this. She says, you're pretty resilient. And then she stops at the door, thinks for a second, turns around, she goes, not always compliant, but very resilient. As <laughs> 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 far from compliant. Uh, but I'm not sure why. What was I saying right before this? I forgot. Oh, we're just talking about the meditation, like the three things you have to do. Yeah, yeah. So you so have to act. Yes, you third. have to act. And in a, um, I guess in a more organized manner, because nothing happened for me until I did that. I was more organized, and you have to really believe. You have to make the decision. I made the decision I was going to be better than I was before diagnosis. And yeah. In so many ways, I truly believe I'm there, not completely, because there's always improvement. We're always working on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. But man, I like myself now a lot better than I did six years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've noticed a massive change. I've, I've noticed yeah. like, was it six? Jesus, was that six? Well, I mean, I'm talking, like, it was five, Four, years, five ago. years ago. Yeah. yeah, It'll be five years uh, at, I think, March 18. But um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about like the year before that happened, like yeah. how I was then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is I've noticed a big change in the last several years where your mindset's different. Like you're still s- dealing with struggling just like everyone, yeah. like everyone else that's facing cancer. And, um, but, um, you're doing it definitely with like a different mindset for sure. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, you're, you're also pursuing the things that you've always wanted to do. Like you're writing books now and that's cool to see. Yeah, and I left, you know, I left yeah. a, a a business that supported me for more than 20 years because it was uh, it was awful. Like the stress was awful. I had employees, I didn't want that. Yeah. And you know, I just like took a leap of faith. I said, "Fuck it, I'm out of here. That's it." You know, uh, that was after I went to the Joe Dispenza uh, week-long advanced retreat, you know, within the I think it's over a five and a half day period of time, you're in meditation for something like 40 or 60 hours, something like that. So wow. And then it's on the way back that I thought, you know what? I'm getting out of that business. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to write. And, you know, then the coaching came to me and meditation, essentially, because I thought, you know, like seeing people in the infusion rooms is what my infusion rooms is what got me thinking about that because I was like, nobody seems to know that there's an alternative that they can do something else and everybody's all you know i was all messed up at first you know i was scared i was upset you don't know where to turn you don't know where to start you don't know who to trust yeah you know and i thought well apparently i figured it out and i want to show other people how to do it too you know so all that came you know from leaving the business and deciding i'm going to do something completely different and i was already writing that book 
But after I made that decision and stuff, literally within six months, it was done. It was in the can and it was with the editor. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, before that, I'd been working on it for, I think, a couple of years here and there or whatever. I think a lot about systems. Um, and I've mentioned this before on the show, like uh, like the way that systems are built. And, you know, you've got a lot of cycles on trying out different supplements and trying out different um, modalities and talking to a naturopath. And I think for a while, I do even remember you tried not doing chemo and doing strictly just um, the alternative stuff. Yeah, I did. After uh, when I after the first course of chemo, I did try that. I was taking so, just some Chinese herb that uh, apparently a woman in China had survived multiple myeloma for over 20 years just taking that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't, you know, there's an article on there on N- NIH and uh but i don't know what else she was doing you know and i did try that but i couldn't obtain it in vegas like the i went to an acupuncturist who's also a a, um, traditional chinese uh, medicine doctor and uh i took it for a couple of months she couldn't get a hold of it and she tried to make it for me and that was a pain in the butt so then she told me she couldn't get it for me anymore and just on its own it didn't work anyway because when i went back to Dr. Sanchez, I mean, my numbers were climbing again. Yeah. So it wasn't enough for, you know, because I don't know what else. And I wasn't doing any other supplements. Well, I was doing some, but stuff I picked myself out of the, not out of the blue, you know, from research I did. But without the testing, I mean, one thing Western medicine is great at is testing. I never turned down a diagnostic test. Never. Mm-hmm. You know, but also there's other tests that traditional medicine doesn't cover, like insurance companies won't cover it. So you have to go to a natural path and they ordered like the poop tests and the urine tests and different blood tests that you can't get from your because your insurance company won't cover it. You have to pay cash for that. Yeah, it's a pain, but dude, do you want to spend the money or, you know, wait, wait, lose years off your life? It's a choice, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm thinking about with the system is that you've kind of already done a lot of this trial and error of creating in your mind what's like maybe not perfect, but like the best system you've discovered in terms of supplementation, chemotherapy, uh, mindset and everything. So um, what do you what do you see as being the system that you would be like if someone was to come to you? and and ask like hey how do i start i've got i'm sitting in the in the the cattle room of a bunch of chemo people i'm feeling this low energy i'm recognizing it what do i do uh what what can i do how can i start like trying to be better be healthier and and not uh you know think that cancer is my death sentence well that's it you have to work on your mindset a lot of that involves emotional healing so that's one of the first things i hit with people it depends on who it is because you know so I set up this program, right? And there's like, uh, it's either three or six months. And there's, so there's 12 modules in the first, in the three month one and 24 in a six month one. But I'm not, I might not start in the same place with you as I would with somebody else. It depends where they're at, mm-hmm. you know? So we have to start with the person is at. If they don't yet believe in energy healing or emotional healing, then I'm not going to s- tell them that, you know, they, uh, have to start meditating right away and they've got to do EMDR right away or whatever. I mean, I'm going to first help them handle the traditional care, like take charge, not let 
the doctors bully them, uh, you know, uh, and then I'm going to immediately tell them to go to a naturopath of some kind, whatever one specializes in what their ailment is, because most everybody can accept that. It's, it's not a big transition to go from, you know, a traditional doctor to a naturopath. It's still a doctor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll tell you different information. They'll do different tests. But the whole process is, is kind of the same. You know, you go to a doctor's office. They're wearing white coats, right? They're all so in- it's not a big leap. Yeah. The emotional healing and energy healing might be a big leap for a lot of people. So while they're busy doing that and we're talking about that, slowly I'll introduce the energy healing, the emotional healing. And I might do it quicker depending on their mindset. You know, if they're very open to it, man, we jump right in there right away because that's what's going to make the biggest difference. Uh, the naturopath, those are all MDs? No, not all of them. Some are. Some MDs have become naturopaths. Uh, or naturopaths have then become like the one I had in Vegas was an MD who was a naturopath. They're they're not all like that though. Well, you said they're all doctors. Well, they're uh, they're yeah they're doctors. They're just not uh, you know FDA stamp doctors. <laughs> I mean, well, what is they, they can't st- call themselves a doctor unless they go yeah. Well, they're school, they're right? doctors of um, I, I think they're called um, oh my god DOs. Or NDs, look that NDs. up. NDs. Let's look yeah, up a, ND a, a naturopath. And uh, no, certification. Just N period D, and then um, also doctor of os uh, of osteo you something something. M or N. N N, N. as in November. A DO is also a doctor. The two degrees reflect yeah. different types of medical school training. MDs yeah. attend allopathic medical schools while DOs attend osteopathic medical schools. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then a natural, a naturopath is, um, mainly a DO. Yeah, I believe so. Like the one that I worked with, she was a naturopath oncologist and she was the only certified one in the entire state of Texas. (laughs) Oh, they're not, there's not a lot of them out here, huh? No, not a lot. I had to really dig to find her. So because I, one thing I won't do, it's like, you know, you, you could be really, before I had that night and I made the decision, sometimes I could be a little fluffy. You don't want to be fluffy. I, I won't do anything now that doesn't have a bunch of studies to back it up. What do you mean by fluffy? Well, like thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to take this for a while because I read an article on it and apparently it really helps. And, oh, you know, so yeah. then you do that for two months, three months, and, and then you read another article and you go, oh, that's supposed to be much better. I'm going to do that instead. You know, that's, that's like, called being fluffy. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're being fluffy. I thought you, yeah, when you said fluffy, <laughs> I was picturing like you're eating a lot of carbs and sugar or something. Oh, or that, <laughs> that too. That's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you become fluffy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or um, wish you mean like wishy washy. Yeah, wishy washy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that might be a better term. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah. Now I won't do anything unless even if there's no sign, because a lot of times with stuff, um, a, a lot of the supplements or uh, modalities, there's no studies that have been done. Studies are extremely expensive to to do. Yeah. And there's not a lot of money in any of these things. You know, there's not money, money, a lot of money to be made. Like, you know, say, taking the curcumin. Who the fuck's going to do a study on that? It's not the curcumin company. They can't afford it. They, they don't, you know, they sell that stuff for $40 a bottle, you know. Mm. Um, but they can be a lot of, um, 
oh my God, what's the term? You know, when a lot of people have done something successfully, there's a term for it. So if there's no scientific study, so anything that I do now, no, it's not a trend. Um, it's something evidence. Sorry, I, I didn't retain the what it means, but I mean what the, the what the term is. But so if you don't have studies and stuff like you know when I was reading Kyprolis THC, you know there's actual studies have been done on that. Sure. Uh, any of the other stuff like all the supplements that she gave me at first, she gave me information. I, I researched them all. You know, or read articles on them, or, or at least. Uh, so she, the way that she worked was first, whatever she prescribed or did was they start with anything that has studies done for it. And if they can't find that, then they move on to giving you something where, you know, like it worked for thousands of people, which is, uh, my gosh, there's a term for it. I can't, it's not, maybe it'll come to mind in a minute. Um, Crowdsourcing? No, no, no. It's us to do, jeez, <laughs> I feel stupid now. Um how could we it's fine i don't know what no it's not that it's uh well he's just rent, you know checking yeah. trying to see if we can find it but anyway it's like so let's say you take the curcumin right it's work for tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people but no studies were done on it but you can assume that if that yeah. if, if it helped that many people it's probably gonna you know there's a really high sh high chance that it's gonna help you no that's not the right term it starts with an a can we we can we can survive without finding the yes word, right? i think we can yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> we could take a break and i'll look it you up you were really hung up on me. finding this word i know which like... i wouldn't mind taking a break by the way oh do you want to do it yeah all right let's take a break take a break and we'll look it up all right we'll come back cool okay all right we're back we're back. Yeah, we still couldn't find that word. We're not sure if uh, it's a good thing, but we're back. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good thing. Hey, L John, let's let's go to Chat GPT. I want to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're gonna see if the AI can figure out what word we're, you're talking about. Oh, that's. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think of that. So we're gonna put it on here in a second. Oh yeah, log me in. Do the uh, Google down below Google, and then uh, there it is. That's a cool tool, by the way. It's very cool. Okay, so what did you want to ask it? Um, what do you call the proof related to thousands of people taking a supplement and it works? I, that's not the right. Yeah. Well, let's start Taking there. a supplement and it works, mm -hmm. period. And then the word starts with the letter A? The word starts with the letter A, yes. Okay. Cross your fingers. Yeah. The word you mean? Anecdotal. Yes. Hey, we got it. Thank you, Chat GPT. Dude. Yeah. So anecdotal evidence is when there's so many people who have had success with something that you That's can't funny. deny it. You right. Know? Right. Even though there hasn't been official studies that cost the, millions of dollars. I use the word anecdotal all the time. But I, know, I didn't know. I didn't, it wouldn't come to mind. I didn't, I think, of it, I didn't think of it in terms of like medical uh, no. supplements or whatever. I didn't yeah. microdose today. Maybe that's why I couldn't think no? of it. I don't know. <laughs> 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 all 
How? What's your uh, regimen on that? How often are you doing that? Uh, one day on, three days off. Sometimes I go off of it for a, a bit, for a few, because you're supposed to. You're supposed to just like do it for six, seven weeks, and then take a break, and then get get back into it. So one day on, three days off for how yeah. long? For six, seven weeks. Okay. You know. And how much are you taking? Oh, like zero point two grams. Right. Point two grams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and two or three sometimes. And you find that your cognitive abilities to think throughout the day is... Much better. Is good? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it carries over too, like, you know, the, 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 the succeeding days. There's that. And then um, I don't feel anxiety as much. Although I, I don't really feel anxiety like I used to. Not, not just from that, but from all the other stuff that I'm doing. You yeah. know, the meditation... Had a lot to do with it, EMDR. Are you getting any kind of um, trippy effects at all? No. So that low Zero. of a dose, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't ever feel trippy effect. Okay, well, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Where did you come up with that cycle, the six weeks? Uh, Third Wave, I think that's the name of the website, thirdwave.com, and the guy wrote a book. I'm reading his book now. Uh, you know, I've been eating the actual dried mushroom, but... I'm going to start making my own tincture so that it's more, whatever dosage I get is more even. Yeah, this guy, thirdwave.co. Oh, oh they've co, got a tincture yeah. here. It looks like they're already oh, making they do? it. Oh, they do? Oh. that's what it seems like. That's what I'm looking at, yeah. I don't think, because I don't think it's legal for them to sell it yet. I think they're probably getting ready to. Dude, there are so many people there's so selling many studies stuff now. Now, There's so many studies, though, on that, on what it does, like, you know, psychiatry. Because what happened is, that, you know, in the 60s, Timothy Leary totally fucked it up for everybody. Him and his buddy, forgot what his name was. He became Ram Dass later. But, you know, they pissed off Harvard. And they pissed off a lot of people because of the way they were handling the, the their studies and stuff. They weren't being very scientific about it. And then people would steal the shit out of their labs and sell it out on the street. You know, we were all getting high on LSD. And uh, so that... We lost all that time, you know, all the benefits that a lot of people could have experienced, you know, relief from mental issues. Mm -hmm. All these years, all that time was lost because of the stupidity that they, they did, you know? Yeah. Now it's revving up again. So there's a lot of studies. It's becoming more mainstream and it's probably going to be uh, accepted, you know, like psychiatrists are going to be able to um, prescribe it to patients. Yeah. Just hearing you talk about that, it makes me a little sad to hear about like how humans are, like our reactions, yeah. our behaviors. We're we're so like mechanical, mm -hmm. anxious creatures. And if it's not following the exact procedure, then, you know, it, it, everything goes poorly. And it's like, you're right. Like maybe those guys messed it up for everybody, but they were probably trying to have a good time and just enjoy what they were doing. And how do they know that it's going to change the outcome of generations, how generations view drugs or LSD or psychedelics in general? Like they probably never, it never occurred to them that that's the outcome of, you know, their behaviors. They just thought, Hey, we're having a, a good no, time. No, They weren't doing it for a good time. They were doing research. That was their main goal. They thought right. it would really help people with mental issues and stuff. It's just that they didn't do it in uh, um, an organized fashion, in a right. precise way, like in something that could be followed through, and then they overdid it with some some people, and people would complain, you know, that they had bad outcomes. Um, yeah, see if you can you find know. anything on that, John, where we 
it talks about the the fallout. I mean, Timothy Leary was supposedly been in that project that took his brain with LSD. That did what? Timothy Leary. Yeah. yeah. He was involved in the Harvard suicide project. Yes, yes. Yeah, he did. And, and you know, I don't know. I, like, I read a lot of stuff because I talk about him in my book. And there's a lot of uh, different uh, information about him. Like in one place, it said that at one point he was uh, he was arrested and given a 10-year prison sentence. But then three months later, he was arrested apparently again, like in, in Mexico or something. I, I know that he ended up doing a lot of prison time because he, he tried to cross the border with an ounce of pot and he got like 10 years in jail oh, or something geez. really ridiculous yes yes it was uh, a, a very small amount and uh, i don't know it was bad but what they uh, but anyway i kind of hold them responsible for not if for all the time that we lost with that and for the big difference it could have made to people not yeah they were pioneers i understand they made mistakes and all that but it, it sucks if they had been uh more uh, organized about it more serious and they'd followed you know the the protocols for studies that harvard had set we'd all be in a better place you know they just decided to become cowboys and do it their own way. You know, you can't always do that. Not with something this serious. I mean, I'm all about having fun and, uh, yeah, throwing caution to the wind sometimes with some stuff, but not on something big like that. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I talked about that with Brendan last week where, like, we definitely enjoy the experience, but we want to be responsible about yes. it. Like, understand that the, the, the dosages are important. And yes. Not just doing cowboy shit, but yeah. making sure that we're not going to damage our minds or yeah our exactly yeah. because that's serious stuff i mean you know i remember my first lsd trip i was 14 yeah. years old and in uh i was on telegraph avenue in berkeley california and um where i where i had hitchhiked to from montreal with some friends but that's another story anyway i literally lost like eight hours i the dosage was probably too high for me whatever i took but i was with a boyfriend and he did take care of me nothing bad happened but i lost like eight hours you know i, I my mind was complete to this day i don't remember where i was in my mind yeah and that wasn't helpful or no, that's you know, just good. scared the shit out of me you know like i never could do ever again like even to this day i don't I, i'll do the microdosing, but i never want to take an actual trip you know i mean i as you know i i have done a little bit more but i'm very cautious man and after that i would do lsd like you know i would take uh like a the lsd 25 like the micro dot you know i would cut it in fourths and just take a fourth which Oh, did almost nothing you know but i was okay yeah. with that i could handle that you know like the walls would move a little and whatever but i don't need as much as the next person anyway in anything that i ingest sure yeah. uh, it always affects me more than other people so i mean i just look at uh, a joint and i'm high you know i don't even need to i remember being in in uh, living rooms in amsterdam and you know the hash joints would make their way around the room i would just pretend to toke but, you know, because I was in a small enough room and there were 10 or more people or, you know, I don't know, just a few people smoking the joint. Just just the smoke from it. I would be high. Yeah. So you'd pull a Bill Clinton where you don't inhale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that what he said? Yeah. I yeah. Because I knew that it would affect me way too much. Yeah. So. Just contact high in the room. Yeah. yeah. That was more than enough for me. Yeah. You know, so I was a sorry ass drug dealer, I guess. You know, I couldn't even 
I couldn't even handle my own product. That's what probably made you a good dealer, though. Like, you didn't have to consume your own stuff. You know, uh, there wasn't the temptation to, like, uh, yeah, overindulge. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, I think people should know, listening to this, like, you have your other memoir where you talked about being a drug dealer in yeah. Amsterdam and other places. It's You've had a pretty wild life. Yeah, I have. And, you know, all, that's, all that came from trauma that I suffered when I was younger. You know, I just became this wild and crazy teenager and uh, until my... Until I was 25 years old, it was, no, a little bit, like until I was 24, because I really calmed down after I came back from Amsterdam, I got a real job, you know, as a DJ, which, you know, coming from where I was coming, you know, going from a, being a drug dealer to a DJ, that was like going straight, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all of that, like added up in my body over years, you know, that's why I ended up with cancer. I had a lot of anger and anxiety. Um and all kinds of insecurities. So it all piles on, man. You got to clean out the emotional wreck that you become. <laughs> you got to clean out all those bad emotions. That's the only way through. It's hard work, but it's a choice. So, yeah, that's why it's interesting when you're talking about, like, if you're going to be um, coaching some people and helping them through their cancer and another serious life journey. Um, that you focus on the emotional first. Like yeah, as, first as soon as I possibly can, because it takes care of so many things and it makes everything else work, you know? Yeah. And I see myself as a Sherpa with them, you know? So I'm holding their hand through the journey while I'm, I'm teaching them what they can do, what I'm teaching them the possibilities, Yeah. what's possible, you know, for them to heal. Uh, and I'm not doing the job of a, nat a, a non-oncologist naturopath, say, or, or a, a therapist who does EMDR. I'm actually sending them to those people. Sure. I want them to find their own, somebody they trust. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm the guide, you know. I'm saying, hey, you really need to do this. Go find somebody and do it. And then we talk about the person, whether that'll be suitable. Mm -hmm. So they're not just working with me. From working with me, they will have to work with... Um, help providers yeah you know mainly uh, a, a natural path so they can get into alternatives you know or an acupuncturist traditional chinese medicine doctor one of those mm -hmm. depending on their uh health issue you yeah know. so you're you're basically taking somebody that's stuck in the conventional route and just showing them the options that there's more to it than just what this one yeah. thing is yeah i'm showing you because you know, uh, so many people don't know i mean they have heard maybe that there's other things they could do but they don't know where to start right you know so that's what i'm doing is showing them the way that's cool like a sherpa yeah know? i like that <laughs> that is cool what is how has emdr helped you specifically with like um specifically with the cancer and specifically with like your health journey well the emdr um, works on your emotional health, you know, like you have uh, certain mental issues or e emotions that you've dealt with that, like, you know, I had, um, so I'll, I, I'm trying to think of which issues. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring an issue. It's a bit embarrassing, but something I've dealt with my whole life. So as a child, you know, my mother was a bit, you know, she was stressed and anxious, too, and did some things that she shouldn't have done, you know. But I remember, like, every Saturday, I had to vacuum and dust, mm -hmm. okay? And then 
it was always, I was always doing it wrong. If I vacuumed first, then dusted, I got yelled at and pinched or slapped because I didn't do it the other way around. So if I vacuumed first, then dusted, it was wrong. If I dusted first and vacuumed first, it was wrong. So I was always like, oh my God, like I didn't, didn't know which one to do. And that went on for years. So I developed this habit of always, like this is how I worked all the time. Like, you know, in my daily work, until I did EMDR, I would literally jump from one task to another constantly like, oh, what should I do first? Because I felt like I had to do all these 10 tasks all right now this minute. <laughs> yeah, which is totally insane. And then you don't accomplish much, you know, it's a lot slower progress. And if you just take one thing and work on that alone, you know, like multitasking doesn't work. That's been debunked for, for a long time now. And I learned that in the applied neuroscience class. So, uh, but what the EMDR, so I worked on that issue, particular issue, we started there, the vacuuming and the dusting, and then you're doing this thing with the, the therapist and she has a light and you go from you know, one light to the other. So your eyes, it's eye movement, right? The, the, the look up EMDR. Yeah, it's a uh, emotional desensitization, something, something. Uh, you already had it up, EMDR. EMDR is an acronym for something. Eye movement desensitization. And re go to the top and respond. It's down Processing. It's at the very top. Look oh. right there. Eye movement desensit desensitization and reprocessing. Yeah. So while you're looking at the light, you just let any thoughts come that come from that first one. Because I, I was putting myself in the scene of being in my mother's living room and, you know, not knowing whether to dust or vacuum first. And then other thoughts came of other incidents later that resemble that one. So you, it's a fast way to, like, you know, doing EMDR is like doing it for, uh, say, six months. It's like doing talk therapy for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, let's You get to the heart of it a lot quicker. Let's read this because yeah, I like this, what they have on their website for, oh, okay. for lay people just to explain it. So EMDR is a psychotherapy that enables people to heal from the symptoms and emotional distress that are the result of disturbing life experiences. Repeated studies show that by using EMDR therapy, people can experience the benefits of psychotherapy that once took years to make a difference. Um, and it goes on to a lot more stuff dealing with physical trauma and other other issues. Um, yeah, I've done it. I've done uh, yeah, EMDR. I'm aware, yeah, um, you it's are aware. You? Yeah, you're yes. my 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 mom happens to be aware of what's going on in my life. That's nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it has, and and I don't like that description because it makes what? it sound uh, psychotherapy. It sounds like some real serious shit is going it on. It is. Man. Well, it's but shit. It, but the way what they describe it, about? I don't know. It's not. <laughs> the, here's I'll break it down for anyone listening and watching. Like, it, it basically just like the 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 person the the therapist will talk to you about a thing. So you bring up a thing. Hey, this has been an issue, um, or maybe I don't even know it's an issue. And so they'll bring up some stuff. You talk about some things that you want to work on, and then, um, and then they're like, "Yeah, how do you feel about that?" And and like, imagine the feeling that you're feeling in that moment. Okay, I'm thinking about you know, yeah, that that moment I was angry or something, and I can feel I'm reliving that moment and I'm feeling a memory of that anger. Okay, I got it. Cool. So then they show you a ball on the screen it bounces back and forth and you look at that and then um and then they start taking you backwards and like do you remember another time before that time that you were you felt similar to that and it's like okay yeah uh, you know 20 years ago i felt this okay 
Look at the ball and think about that feeling. Think, just keep processing that. The ball goes back and forth, and, and it's like, what did you get? And it's like, yeah, I felt this and this, and I remember when I was ten that this happened. Blah blah. blah. Okay, let's do that. And so they keep going, yes. working you back to the very beginning of your life, as early as you can remember ever feeling that feeling, and then they walk you all the way back, and then they take you back into current times, and like, okay, now think about that thing that just happened last week or two years ago or whatever, right? The most recent thing. Look at the ball going back and forth. And all of a sudden they're like, how do you feel about it now? And I'm like, nothing. I don't really feel anything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's and then it's like, yeah, that's weird. I that's just kinda, the idea behind right, it. But the, the, the way they describe it on the website makes it sound like it's this intense, weird, crazy thing. But it's like this thing that all of a sudden I just don't feel the feeling that I had before, it's just gone. Yeah, it's, so it's what's happening to you yeah. from it, but that's the description of what it does. Right, I don't all. like the description, but I... I <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as it works. Well, when but there's a lot of evidence. It, it just yeah. sounds, yeah, it just sounds like a little intense, but I mean, the actual act of doing it for anyone listening, because I don't want the description to freak anyone out, but like oh, you do okay. the actual act of it, it was like, Oh, that's it. Yeah, it still work. I that's mean, I it. feel I feel yeah. tired after like a, an hour of doing that with my therapist. I mean, yeah, you know, because it's exhausting. You're revisiting bad shit. It in is your exhausting. Life, you know. Yeah, it's for sure. I've had very sessions. Mentally tiring. I've had sessions where I'm like, all right, man, we gotta <laughs> let's take a break. Yeah, I'm just kind of tired of yeah. going through all of that. Yeah, um, but it it really is cool because it's just all of a sudden I just don't feel yeah any way about the thing anymore. Yep, that that's what's happening with me. It's calm me way to fuck down. Yeah, and in, I don't I don't think ways. people understand that. I I think people think oh no, like you've been dealing with this for years, so that's what you are, or that's who you are, and that's what you feel, or something. It's like people are used to you being a certain way. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you just don't feel anything about that. It's like hmm, okay, it's good, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It I is mean, because I work differently now. I mean, I notice a big difference in how I work. Yeah. From not going back to that you know, jumping around you know yeah so for me it was anger just processing like anger and stuff and and it's just like um like it's not i don't know that it's ever like perfectly ever a, uh miraculously gone for good but it's for me it feels just like drastically reduced reduced yeah. drastically reduced yeah the things that would trigger me or set me off just don't do it anymore and yeah. and it's just like hmm okay yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but what, so, okay, so we got into the description of it. Um, I talked about my thing, and I'm sorry I digressed from yours. But no worries. You were saying that, like, how is it, how is EMDR specifically used in, in terms of, like, emotional healing while you're going through cancer? Like, why is that beneficial to you? Because if you become emotionally healthy, then your body is healthy. Everything is linked, mind, body, spirit. Spirit, I put in, like, you know, so emo emotional uh, healing is, you know, part of your spirit. Yeah. Everything's in balance. Everything communicates with each other. So if you're emotionally well-balanced and healthy, your body will be healthy. It's the energy you send around to all the cells in your body. Mm -hmm. That's what they'll be swimming in now instead of anxiety and anger and depression and what have you, you know? Hmm. You mentioned earlier about um, the cells... Originally, it was thought that the cells received instructions internally. Well, only internally. Right. And then now it's believed that they're getting external instructions. Yes. From the energy field around them. 
Yeah. That's what Joe Dispenza says. And it makes sense the way that he explains it. I, I tried to pull up an article before I got here. It's in, it's in his books. I couldn't find anything that specifically says that on any of his blogs, but anybody can go. About to cell the blog. instructions? Yeah. They could probably find it on, the, on his blog. So he's a bit controversial because, you know, nobody's ever done what he's done before. But they're doing a ton of studies with the like University of California at San Diego. There's all these scientists working on all that whenever he has the week long. They didn't do it when I was there because it was like still COVID. So they couldn't do the coherence healings that they do. And they couldn't do the uh, scientific experiments. You know, they put all these monitors on people's heads and stuff and they they monitor everything that happens to their body while they're meditating Mm -hmm. and everything it's quite fascinating so there's a ton of articles on the blog but you know anything that's different from the norm takes literally 30 to 40 years to make it to the mainstream and the first people who bring it in in into our um sphere of knowledge and and to purview they're always maligned yeah always i mean i talk about that in my book too you know i say you know yesterday's woo-woos today's mainstream yeah you know like you look at the doctor uh, the hungarian doctor who um, first brought up the idea of washing your hand that for doctors to wash their hands with soap before they help deliver a baby it got so bad for him. Like they all poo-pooed him. What are you? I'm gonna wash my hands. What are you? Like you know, it's insulting to them personally, right? <laughs> Is that how they said? I it? mean, yeah. I mean, that that was the attitude. You know, I'm like they laughed at hands. him. Like what? What? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, making me a doctor? Like I'm such an important person. Wash my hands. My hands are fine. After they just right. got done smoking a cigarette and eating a or ham whatever. sandwich. Whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> so this doctor was having like a lot. You know, it used to be a thing. Like mothers and infants often died in childbirth it was this really dangerous thing sure and his success rate was you know 99% success only 1% of his patients or the or the infant ever died whereas I think the average back then was 20 30 percent we're dying look this guy up yeah i forgot his name it's a long hungarian name but um anyway about 20 years later he finally had a breakdown a mental breakdown and all his colleagues everybody like a bunch of doctors got together and had him put in a nut house and he was beaten severely by guards in there and he died like three four years two three four days later yeah they fucking killed him for and now can you imagine walking into it like all doctors wash their hands right yeah before surgery even before they see you in their office they wash their hands here that's his name right let me see oh it just left um so yeah that's it that's him that's him yeah so it's an incredible, and I tell the story briefly in my book, but you could read about him online. Let's I mean, go back, yeah. So there's that, and then you know, let's go. Let's oh. go back there for for a second here. Um, so the doctor who championed hand washing and briefly saved lives. Go down, um, right there. The year was 1846, and our would be hero, our would be hero was a that's a weird way to say it was a Hungarian doctor named Ignaz Semmelweis. Semmelweis was a man of his time, according to Justin Lesser, an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. It was Lesser. It was a time Les, Lesler describes as the start of the golden age of the physician-scientist, when physicians were expected to have scientific training. Uh, show me, see if you can find a thing about the hands, though. Um, yeah, look, on hand there. washing on there. Hand. Let's just keep yeah searching the word hands. 
Semmelweis hypothesized that there were cadaverous particles, little pieces of corpse, that students were getting on their hands from the cadavers they dissected. And when they delivered the babies, these particles would get inside the women. Holy fuck, they were dissecting yes. cadavers and then going straight yes. to a delivery? Yes! <laughs> Without shit. washing their hands. Jesus. <laughs> no wonder these fucking kids were dying. Look at this. <laughs> What were I they? mean, we're laughing, but it's not funny. No. Can you imagine today an obstetrician just got no. done dissecting a body, has a bunch of dead body juice on on their hands, and then going, "Oh, Martha, you're delivering your baby." Let's Jesus, no wonder. Yeah, and so so that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, that's why like people uh, people like poo poo, and they say that uh, Joe Dispenza's a, a nut job and what have you, but. It's the new way. I think, you know, energy, uh, there's a lot of people out there who now believe that emotional healing, energy healing, and doing that, the meditation is, is the medicine of the future. Yeah. That's being said even by main, some mainstream people, you know, who are being vilified for saying it, of course. But there's of so course. many cases like, you know, incubators. What's the first thing you see when you go to a hospital and, and uh, you know, you go visit a nursery? You see all those incubators, right? Oh, the NICU. The neonatal yeah, ICU. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was another thing. It took like 40 years before that become mainstream. A doctor brought it. He saw it in Germany, brought it here. No hospitals wanted it. No doctors would listen to him or anything. He ended up opening an exhibit at Coney Highland in New York with a bunch of incubators. And he would charge people like 25 cents to go in and look at the babies in the incubator so that that would pay for the care of the babies in the incubator so the parents wouldn't have to pay for it. So it took over 20 years before hospitals finally paid attention, saw how many lives he was saving. Like People would bring their dying babies. Like They'd been told by the hospital, your baby's dying. There's nothing more we can do. They would take them there, and their lives were saved from being in an incubator. And it wasn't until 40 years later that he finally felt comfortable shutting it down because enough hospitals around the country Pull had this them. guy up, John. I want to see what year, do you put, know? Put in like Coney Island incubators. Holy they should come shit. up. So yeah. he turned these babies into circus freaks he had to, to, save their lives. to save their lives. People would go look at them. Well, they were behind a big glass wall. I you know, know like but nobody, uh, the, the babies didn't know that people were watching them. This is it. This is Coney Island. Look at this. There's a grandpa showing his kid. Look at the baby. And the and they'd pay 25 cents to see that yeah. there's a nurse. Well, like, they weren't. They was behind a wall. I don't think that they were opening the incubators like that as far as I know. I don't know where they got see that See if you image can get from. some more on this. This is unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe this. They, yeah. tur they turn in these kids into like circus attractions but to be able worked. to pay for their to, medical yes. care and the, the parents didn't have to look at pay this either. born alive with their heads grown oh that's not it <laughs> <laughs> wait wait our coney island sideshow advanced medicine for premature babies that is it. Yes. that's also about see what else you can if you can find a picture <laughs> i gotta see a picture of a baby at coney island is there's one that uh, incubators there it is yeah zoom in on this man so the guy would just say it's hard. To, it's a bad picture. It's yeah, old, it is, but it is. it's an attraction. There's there's the circus thing on the left, and then you got uh, people saying, "Come in, check out these incubators." That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, and I have other. Um, What's this guy's name? Oh, I forgot. It's Martin Corney. No, Cooney that's, County. What? Yeah, C C C Cooney. Cooney was his name. Yeah. Cooney. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so everything that's new in medicine or whatever, first, it's always very woo-woo, yeah. and it takes fucking 30, 40 years before it becomes mainstream. Like people, somebody like me doesn't have time to wait. 
I was fucking dying. Yeah. You know, you got to go out there and reach out. And as long as you have a, it, it's not something totally crazy. It's something that other people did before and it's been proven to work, whether it's anecdotal or otherwise, I'm going to do it. What do you see? What's the cell thing? Because I'm really interested in this still. Like, I don't think we fully covered that is that the cell is getting instructions from outside itself on how to heal. But what is the process you're going through to make that happen? Through your emotion, through your emotions, like meditation. So you're bringing yeah. in the, 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 the thing that you want to bring in, right? So you bring, like the healing for me was the healing. So I have this whole vibe of, of healing. I feel healed. You have to feel healed, like it's already happened, not like you're hoping it's going to happen. That's very important, but also healing emotionally in other ways, like through EMDR or whatever. You you have to become a totally balanced person, body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. That's what will heal you. That's what will make your immune system strong. Everything has to be in balance. You know, the energy centers have to line up. The emotions have to be normal, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. that's what does it. Yeah. So you're, you're doing the EMDR stuff that's giving you that emotional healing. Yes. You're doing all the different modalities from, um, a medical perspective. So yes. the chemo, the supplements, all that stuff. So that's healing you physically. Um, you uh, what's the spiritual part? The meditation. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you're doing the meditations and then you're doing, we talked about the outcomes that come from the meditations um, but during the meditations, are you doing something specifically about healing? Yes, about that's, that's what I'm bringing back. Okay. That's all I think I see. I go out there. And uh, so when you're out there in a the field and he's guiding you yeah, through the meditation and he tells you to just feel that thing you want. So I've been out there and the only way I can explain this is like, I would feel the feeling of being healed. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I brought back into my whole system and then of course maintain it as much as possible between meditations and over time it stays it doesn't go away you know what i noticed when you were doing the meditations a lot um this is before you had your house built and um you're living with your son uh (laughs) (laughs) but you were tmi tmi yeah I was a very uncool bachelor for a while. Yeah, <laughs> and I was a very uncool mom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wants to live with their son? Oh, I remember we thought it would be, what, a matter of months. months and then COVID hit and we couldn't Jesus. get the damn house built. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get this fucking house built. <laughs> um, I remember when you were doing the meditations all the time, you'd hang the little thing on the door and yes. you're like, don't, don't bother me, I'm meditating. And, um, but you'd sit in this chair and it was very weird to me because you had this chair in your room that you would sit on. Yep. And you had we had two two of the same chairs. There was another of that chair in the living room or somewhere. And this chair that you were sitting on is totally start, started trash. disintegrating. Yes. It was so I've never seen a chair do this. It's, I know. And it I was freaked me out when I first saw yeah. it. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? You just blew everyone's eardrums, by the way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Why did I do that? I don't know. Well it just peaked. Like it oh. just yeah. Well, you know, try not to so yell, the, yell into the mic. So for listeners, the chair was pleather and it just started literally peeling. It's all peeled off. Yeah. 
you know, for, and that's the chair I meditated on. It was for disintegrating. Two years. Yeah, I couldn't. It was disintegrating. And we know it's the meditation because it didn't happen to the other chair. Yeah, and people sat on that chair too, so it's not like yeah. it was one was being used yeah. and the other wasn't. Yeah, the, people were sitting in the other chair. It's just like it was weird. Yeah. I was like, so I'm not saying. <laughs> It's correlation, at least. It's I'm not very saying it's, strong energy. I'm not saying it's causation, but certainly correlation, because there's yeah. like, wow, that is weird that your chair is just like yeah. melting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Falling apart. It's like so weird. It was surprising to see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was cool. It was a, it was very cool, because I remember you were struggling with the cancer, and it was like, a, well, we're not sure. The numbers are high, and you're just kind of in this like roller coaster of a, of a like a back and forth kind of deal. And then you started doing the meditations and it was like, now we start seeing your numbers going down and down yeah. and down. It's like, that was one aspect you said, the mind, body and spirit. And like, that was one aspect I, I don't remember that you had incorporated before, certainly not the meditations, but I don't know that you had incorporated any kind of spiritual aspect to your whole holistic, you know, like healing mm -hmm. for yourself. And you added the meditations and then all of a sudden it was like, your numbers went down we saw you get into full, was it full remission? Is that the word they use or partial uh, remission? Yeah, I was in the partial remission. Partial, we see it get yeah, into the... Yeah, and then like I went into complete remission. Okay. Yeah. Is there a, a full remission? Is that a thing? No, it's, that so doesn't it's sound familiar to or me. or complete. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking like what are the terms they use? Uh, well, with multiple myeloma, there's remission, partial remission, complete remission. There's even a one behind that, beyond that. If you never, ever get it again, that's called stringent something uh remission okay yeah yeah so full remission is not a thing then no that well not to me i mean it doesn't sound familiar to not me. to me <laughs> well i mean it doesn't sound familiar maybe in some yeah. other cancer or whatever no that's but fine I've never I, heard I, the term. no it's good to know i like make sure yeah. i use the right words for yeah. for what things are but yeah i saw i saw this transformation where it was just like all of a sudden you're you're out doing stuff. Yeah, and I know. I'm whole again. Writing your books and <laughs> yeah, everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> back to my crazy self. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. It's yeah. good. It's been it's been good to see. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's next now? I mean, you're doing so. I, I'm excited to finish this. Uh, finish the book. Um, what's next? You're you're doing the coaching. You're, you're yep. going to be everyone's <clears throat> Sherpa. Yep, I am. Yeah. What else? Yeah, so any? Because you just finished this. That's out on Amazon now. Yeah, just barely out. It's still in the hands of Arc readers, but you can go to Amazon and buy it, or to my website. What's an Arc uh, reader? Uh, advanced reader copy. Oh, okay. So they're the first people. After it's gone, at first it goes through editing, then it goes to beta readers, and they're the readers that uh, sometimes you even send it to beta readers before you do the final edit, because based on them you might change some things in the book. But uh, so it went through beta reader, then editing, and now it's arc readers. But it's, you know, it's complete. I mean, it's not going to change. It's just people, are, you know, it's to get reviews and to get a general opinion. Like, what do people out there really think about it? Well, how did I get a copy? Because I you I ordered, yeah, I, it is. I it's for one. sale. Oh, yeah, okay. You buy, yeah, it is for sale. So it's good you can to buy general it on public. A, yes, yeah. yes. It's open okay. to the general public. I just haven't marketed it yet. I'm waiting for the ARC readers to be done and to have some reviews on there. Then oh, they'll I start marketing. Yeah. Plus, you know, people who, um, I'm going to make people who, who enroll in my program read it just so they know because it's it's different. It's not your average coaching. I mean, I talk about THC and CBD and, you know, yeah. uh, microdosing and all kinds of woo-woo stuff in there that, I, that I've done, you know, like infrared saunas and, you know, uh, 
taking all kinds of weird supplements and whatever. And that's not everybody's cup of tea. Maybe not everybody can handle it. So I think that yeah. if they read my book first, then we'll both know whether they're on board and they're able to get th through this program. Because like you have that. to be open-minded. Yeah, I like that. I think you know? it's like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Like, read yeah. my book, check it out. And then come back to me, and yeah. if you're if you're good after that, then then we know that then we move forward. We're yeah. in agreement. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. It's a great way yeah. to sell books too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, but that's not what I'm doing. It's like I don't want to like get into a coaching, uh, like a coach situation with a coachee who's going to be freaked out. You know, the, the 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 minute I bring up quantum meditation or yeah. that I think they really should, you know, work with uh, an EMDR therapist or anything like that. You know, if, that, if they're not willing or they can't comprehend it and don't want to change their mind about it and they don't have a desire to change their mindset, if they want to stay where they are today, then there's no point. I mean, they're not going to get any benefit out of it. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, because the whole idea behind the whole thing is completely change yourself, change your personality, change your daily habits. You know, you have to become the healed person, and that usually means changing a lot of things about what you're doing now, because wh whatever it is you're doing now is what got you sick, right? So you have to become this new person. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a misunderstanding in people, like what is cancer and what's causing it, because if you have a lifetime of eating all organic, plant-based diet but you've gone through severe trauma and you're dealing with anger and pain and trauma, like just trauma. Right. And we can go through a whole list, but you're dealing with a ton of trauma. You can still develop cancer. Yeah. Well, I did. Cause you know, I was uh, always the health freak in my family. I, I wasn't all plant-based, but there was nothing in my kitchen that wasn't organic, you know, grass fed meats only wild salmon only, Yeah. Uh, you know, from the depths of Alaska, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> the <depths of> Alaska. <laughs> uh, so, and I still develop cancer and it's because of the, all of the emotional trauma because that's where it starts. So like energy, becomes matter we all know that in time right mm. so uh, one example i can give you so, so i had breast cancer twice right here okay uh the uh, the first time i had breast cancer they removed they did um you know they removed the lump and then i had 25 radiation treatments um but the energy that built that up because this is where i always felt my anxiety and my anger or you know all my Stress. I, stress. I always felt it right here along this line. Hmm. Okay, so when you cut out, so they cut out the lump, sure, but the energy was still there. Mm. So guess what? 20 years later, here it was back. It was a very slow-growing thing, right? So it, it had even before the first time in 1994 that, you know, it was probably growing for 10 years or more before that. And then they took that away, and I did do some work. You know, I was becoming more enlightened. I was toying around with meditation, even though I, I didn't do the quantum meditation. Uh, I did other meditations for a while, then I'd stop and do another one. I started to eat much better. You know, I, I, uh, that's when I started eating. But at the time, they didn't have pastured meat, but, you know, so I would only eat organic stuff. And my kitchen was pristine, as you know. But I would still eat out, but I still had all this emotional crap going on inside me. So, yeah, 
you know, that's why it's so important to clear that out because whatever healing you do, it might work for a little while, but if you want to heal, truly heal so that whatever you have doesn't come back, you just have to address the emotional body. There's no way around it. Yeah. And you think that's truly what's the cause of things like cancer? I wouldn't, I don't know if it's the cause cause. It has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you have uh, like, if you're eating a very, very poor diet, even if you have a, a totally healthy emotional body, which I think almost nobody on the planet has unless they've done some work, you know, we all go through trauma. We all have a story. Uh, you're still going to, you're highly likely to get something. Yeah. You know? Well, That's there's, a, yeah, and I, I kind of made a general statement, and I shouldn't have, because there's obviously people that get cancer from chemicals and yes. things that are have nothing to do with their emotions. Yeah. yeah, but the fact that they have an unhealthy emotional body just makes that worse, and it could make it so that they don't heal yeah. ever from it, you know? Yeah, there's, um, I know, like, the veterans... Uh, Department of Veteran Affairs is dealing with a lot of um, claims about burn pits. Um, so mm. pull up a picture of a burn pit in Iraq. Um, oh. So we're, where's all our trash gone? We're fighting a war in Iraq. And, you and burn it. We burn it. And, and you're breathing it in. Dude, right there, that second one, Holy man. Holy crap. Just zoom in that whole thing. So people you got have to zoom in on the left that? side. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you see the berms on the, on the far left. They'd be all the... Oh, we lost it. It opened the the link. There it is. Yeah, that's good right there. So it would uh, we'd be standing there and just throwing shit into the pit, and it'd be on fire, and it'd be plastic and metal, and you're breathing and, that in. Oh, Paul. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just what it would be. And then, um, and I remember you'd get you'd have to do certain duties uh, when you're not like going on missions and stuff. So uh, you're you have to be on the list to take care of the camp and you have to do it at least once. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, I had to do a burn pit duty. And so they're like, Hey, um, the wind blew a bunch of shit out of the pit. Like we need people to go police call the pit and the military in the Marine Corps, they call police calling is just like, go pick up garbage and uh. go. And so we're walking around this burn pit. Keep in mind, there's nothing for a hundred miles around us. We're in the middle of the empty fucking desert. And I just came back from, God knows how long, like outside the wire. And, and they're like, Wagner, you're on, you know, burn pit duty, go with, you know, these two guys and, and like a couple other Lance corporals. And then they had a Sergeant over us, like supervise us or whatever. Right. And make sure we do it right. And, um, and so we're walking around the burn pit, picking up trash and then throwing it 10 feet to the right into the pit. <laughs> Keep in mind, we're in the middle of the desert. Like, who fucking cares, right? It was just, I was losing my mind. I couldn't accept how absurd this was, how stupid of a job this was. That Well, you don't want to need trash in the desert, even if it's in the you middle of You got a of bulldozer. Nowhere. There's a bulldozer that buries it oh. all. Like, why am I out here, uh, an individual human, oh, picking wow. it up when they got, there's heavy equipment moving all stuff around. Like, why, why didn't they do that? I don't know, exactly. <laughs> it's just so fucking stupid. It was so annoying. I, I, I lost it. And I went to the, the sergeant and I were good. And I was like, sergeant, this is so fucking dumb. What are we doing out here? Picking up a trash moving it 10 feet to the right into this pit there's nothing out here we're all by ourselves there's nobody watching us like what do we do i was like losing he's like dude just do it man like we, <laughs> we're we are almost halfway there like let's just get it done and then you can go back and show so he was a cool guy um 
I was a bit stressed out. <laughs> but Sounds like we're it. standing around like smelling all this stuff. And so there's a lot of claims that have come out about burn pits. Guys getting cancer and lung issues and all that How stuff. How do you know that didn't happen? It's not going to happen to you. I don't know. But I haven't. I haven't had anything wrong. And so um, what you're saying, though, a minute ago kind of um, struck a chord for me is like, well, I'm, I've been through the same physical experiences with other people where some have had severe outcomes and I haven't. And why haven't I been sick from that? Why haven't I had a thing? Cause we used to burn shitters too. Yeah. You, you take, you take the oil drum and cut it in half and flip the top part over. Now you got two toilets and you Jeez. pour in about five gallons of JP eight diesel fuel. And then you slide that underneath some wooden structure that you built and everyone just pisses and shits into oh, the, this geez, thing. Gross. Well, guess what happens when that thing fills up? You have to burn it. You slide it out the back and now you got shit burning detail and that's a job. And so you, you get, you put a rag around your face cause the rag is going to save you. And, <laughs> and you light that shit on fire, literally, and you got a stick and you just stir it cause it's, a pile of shit, right? You can't yeah, get, you yeah, can't burn yeah. the middle of it. So you, you just have to keep, stir it. Yeah. You got to stir it. How are you going to get it all burned up? It doesn't burn up on its own. You got to get the center. Cause it's all wet. You know, it's all wet in the gross, middle, right? You got to get in there. Gross, so you just, gross. you're stirring it up, just making the <laughs> stew. It's all on fire. There are pictures. Can you find a, a burning a shitter in Iraq? <laughs> just Iraq burns shitter. Oh God. Oh God! Please tell me there's a picture of this. Yes, oh my <laughs> yes. God. Put it up. Terrible. Oh my God, this is it, but man. He's not, oh, that guy's stirring. Is he? Is they're he they're all they all got a stick. You got to stir it. Oh, and uh, and and that's it, man. Look at this guy. He's he's hosing it down or something. I don't know what he's doing. That's it. God, it's it's horrendous, man. It's one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. I only had to do. I it remember you telling me about. I only it. had to do it one time. Thank God. Um, Oh. You know, it took about a half hour or something to burn down uh, a couple of these things. But I mean, you're smelling that too. Yeah, burning that's diesel awful. with human waste. There's no mask. They're not giving you any protective equipment for that. Like, and then some uh, the burn pit and the shitters. And I don't have any lung issues. Uh, uh, I'm very happy to say, but. A lot of people have had it. There's been massive amounts of claims. You know, with, yeah. the, with the VA because of it. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't have gotten it. I mean, every yeah. person, everybody is different. And we don't know. I mean, it's, I believe it starts at the emotional level. You've had some issues after the wars and stuff. I mean, like you say, you've been dealing with anger. So who, it takes a long time to build up. Like, you know, the anger. I mean, maybe it won't happen now because you've done some work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the energy of that, like the anger you feel in everything, it builds into matter. So like that tumor yeah. you got somewhere, it came from that. It came from the energy building up in one spot because energy, emotions sit in your body like in little packets here, there, everywhere. Some people have it here. It might be in your back, your arm, your legs. I mean, you know, it, it's different for everybody. And maybe for some reason, uh, despite some anger and stuff, I mean, you didn't have it before then. So, and that was what, how many years ago now? You've been back since 2003. No, I mean, the, I the, the, the anger. Oh. So you came back from Iraq in, at the end of 2003. Yeah. And now, of course, you've been to uh, another war. 
So I don't know if we can <laughs> talk about that, but yeah, um, we can talk about it. Oh, well, you're back now. Yeah, you, I'm yeah. back now. Yeah, you've been to the Ukraine, so uh, which was crazy. But anyway, um, I don't know. If you do the emotional work, you might never get anything. And then again, well, you might not. You should just keep getting tested. Like you're doing that with your doctor, which is a good thing. But yeah. you might want to take it farther. Like at some point, ask him if you should do like a complete body PET scan just to see if anything started to grow anywhere. Hmm. You know, you can do a pro, uh, I guess you could do a proactive one, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, you'll have to pay for it. I mean, cause you're, uh, unless your insurance, no, you don't have the insurance. So it won't like the, the, the way you're set up, you'll have to pay for it, but maybe he can do it, you know, for not that much money. I, I th I'm sure that when I do it, it costs thousands, but they're billing my insurance, you know? Is it the same as a cat scan? No, it's a pet scan. P-E-T. Pet scan prices. Yeah, without insurance. Like, you, you want to make sure it's with it because... Low pet scan prices. Come to the... But, you know, with your doctor, he, he can refer you, and, it, you know, you, you're just going to pay what he's paying, so it's, it, it shouldn't be too much. Okay. Even so if it's several hundred dollars, 13, it's worth it. Uh, that's a big range. 1200 to 9200 Jesus. Yes, yeah, so because they're putting prices. So if your doctor gives it to you at cost, it's, it's going to be in the low, oh, low right. end. You know, it's whatever they would charge him. But I think it would behoove you to do that based on everything that you've gone through and the emotional stuff you've had. Yeah. You know? I'll think about it. Yeah. Next time I have yeah. extra 1300 bucks to go get a PET <laughs> scan. <I'll laughs> well, maybe it's not that much. Ask, ask Wh your, what is it? your doctor. Let's look at this. Positron emission tomography. Positron yeah. emission tomography is a functional imaging technique that uses radioactive substances known as radio tracers to visualize and measure changes in metabolic processes and in other physiological activities, including blood flow, regional chemical composition and absorption. Can we find a, a PET scan picture of like what it looks like? That's what it looks like. No, well, that's the I've machine. I've had them. So, it, well, that's what it looks like when you, oh, you mean the, the results? Scan. Yeah, let's see the scan, not the, uh, yeah, look at, go down that four body one. Zoom in on that. What the hell? That's cool. That's what they're looking at. So you're getting it in like predator vision. You got the like the different views. You can see it. Yeah, so you could see there's things there in that body. See the light, the the, the ones that shine, like those shiny spots. That means there's something there. Oh, like in their be. lung, or that's not the lungs. That's kind of the kidneys or something. Well, yeah, I can't tell, but like the one all the way to the right, you see those two light spots. Go to the far right. There, dude. Yeah, yeah that, that, that white see, spot. That, those things that's shouldn't a, be th there. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. Usually, that's how they come. Well, up. the brain looks like it's got something too. Then, if that's all white. Yeah. Oh, that one's weird. This one looks like he's modeling, like he's got his arms above his head. <laughs> that was a red <laughs> yeah, one well right there. They, I think they looks like his you balls are that. hanging out or I've something. Ha I've had several of them. You know, when I. Um, like he's like got his arms above his head. He's like, look at my package. Oh, like, <laughs> oh my gosh well that just it looks exactly like an mri machine they don't wrap you up like that i was never wrapped yeah, up like that, that. i don't know what that photo tied is up. yeah and how is this different but it does from, look like that yeah that that's the machine you don't like that no well you have to sit there i mean to do the entire body it takes about 40 minutes and you cannot move at all yeah so you have to, like, calm. I would take a lot of CBD before just to calm, to make sure I don't, like, so, you you know, and I think whatever they give you, because they put some, you, you uh, they infuse you with some kind of 
you know, whatever they were saying, the radio, something. Yeah. Um, and they must put something in there that's anti-itch or whatever, because I never did feel the urge to scratch or anything like that when I've been in it. And that was always my biggest fear. So, well, what if I start, you know, what if something itches, you know? Mm-hmm. But what I've done through it, I've, I uh, essentially tried to go into meditation while I was in there. Uh, they they put on some cool music for me when I had one. Uh, when, I had, I when I had my hernia, they had some yeah. headphones and they're like, what do you uh-huh. want to listen to? And I was like, just told him a bunch of bands. And the guy's like, I got a playlist for you. And he just put a playlist on and really? I had all my like cool music. I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. Yeah, no, they didn't have music for me yeah. where I go. Oh, well. Well, if they're scanning your head, I guess you, you can't. Yeah, have, they do. They scan have a my head. On. Yeah, they scan my entire body. Yeah, they were doing my feet. abdomen. So, so they d- whenever they scan, so they move you up 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 you know the more you go and you can you can uh ask for a break like you know if you want you can tell him ahead of time okay well after 20 minutes let's stop and then he'll just keep going yeah you know oh i've had another scan too on my um on my leg because that nerve damage yes that idiot doctor who sliced you the way she shouldn't have what's her name again wasn't i don't want to get into why no because it's then you get into defamation that was really or wrong. What, yeah, but she did do what she did, so yeah. But calling her an idiot is, you know, then that becomes she is an idiot. Well, I, you can get sued for calling people idiots. You Why? Know? You just can. I don't know, man. That I can't call her an idiot. She was an idiot. She sliced you open. It like wasn't you're in the. Pain it wasn't the, the slice. It was the hyphricator. That it ca- it cauterized the nerve in my leg. She so. even knew she did it. She told you as she's doing it. What did she say? Oh, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, because the whole jolt went through my body because it hit the nerve, even though I was numb. Well, nobody should go to her. People should know not to use her. Yeah, I know, but I was, yeah. (laughs) Just, if you're going to have any kind of procedure done, even... Don't go to her. No matter, (laughs) (laughs) don't go to her. They don't know her name. No matter how minimal, no matter how minuscule it seems, like go to a, do your research and check and make sure you have a lot of recommendations for someone that's going to do anything that cuts you open. Yeah. She was a dermatologist, and I thought it was like a minor nothing deal. I had a BB in my leg when I was 10. I got shot in the leg with a BB gun. It had been in my leg forever. And I was getting some other dermatology stuff done, and like she cut a mole off and a couple other things. And I was like, hey, can you do the the little BB thing? And she's like, yeah, no problem. It's like real easy because it's above the muscle. Mm-hmm. So she, it's that's in her world. So anything a dermatologist does is above the muscle, like in the epidermis mm-hmm. and all that. Um, pull up a picture if you can. The picture of the uh, the dermis versus next to the muscle, something like that. Um, yeah, there's a layer. So so zoom in on any of those dudes. The the one to the second one is probably better because you can see. Oh, does it, it doesn't show the muscles underneath though? No. Let's see if we can get one with the muscle tissue underneath the. There, oh, that's layers of human skin. There it is. Yeah, right there in the middle. Layers of human skin. Muscle is the bottom one. Let's zoom in on that. And, uh, uh uh-oh. They make it look like the skin is so thick. It's not that thick, you know. It's pretty thick. Well, not that thick. Well, yeah, in relation to what they're... Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it was in the dermis, I guess. It wasn't in the subcutaneous tissue. It was like in the dermis, below the epidermis. And the BB's just sitting there since I was 10. 
not causing any problems, um, but just there, I can feel it. And it was like a nice freak show thing to show people at parties, like, hey, feel this thing oh, in my well, leg. Why did you have and, it removed? Well, I just thought, hey, why not get it removed? It's, you know, no big deal. I could have just left it there and everything would have been fine. But I didn't think it was a big deal. And so then they numb the area, they cut the skin open, they take it out, it's all done. And then they use that hyphricator to um, cauterize the, the, the tissue, the dermis and the epidermis so that there's no bleeding. Like it stops the bleeding. It's like a lightsaber basically, but like a metal mm-hmm. lightsaber thing. And, and you can't touch any metal while they do it. Um, and I just had my arms at my side, so I'm not touching anything. I'm laying on the bed. And um, and then uh, they go to hyphricate the, the tissue, but there's in there, and they don't show that in the image, but there's sensory nerves. So you have your nervous system that's like you have motor nerves that help you move your arm and move like motor nerves are doing that. Then you have sensory nerves that I can feel that when you touch my arm and all that. Right. So the sensory nerves are much closer up to the surface. And so she hyphricated a sensory nerve and my whole body went like cartoon jolt. Like I went stiff for like a half a second and I was like, what was that? And she goes, Oh, I don't know. And and then it's like, you know what the fuck that was like. And um, and she's like, were you touching anything? I'm like, I'm just laying here. Like, I'm not my arms aren't. She tried to blame it on you. Yeah. Like I did something because because um, it sends like the electrical signal or something like I'm just my arms are at my side. You know, I'm you're looking at me. I'm face down, so I'm not moving. I can't even move in this position. And um, and then, yeah, I got this big jolt and um. And then now, you know, a couple of days later, after all the, the drugs wear off, they're like, uh, yeah, that's weird. You shouldn't be numb still and come in and check it out. So they came in and checked it out. They took pictures and and I'm like, and then a few days later, I'm like, I still can't feel my foot. I still can't feel my leg. And I'm Is it like, still like that? Oh, yeah. Even like while we're talking right now, it's like it hurts. I'm in pain right now. Yeah, I can't feel any anything in that spot. My Well, I can feel. But what I'm feeling is just constant pain. It's like, um, you know, when you're on your leg too long and then your leg falls asleep. So, uh, and then you're like, ah, and just won't wake up. Have you tried acupuncture? No, I haven't tried that yet. I have a feeling that would help. Maybe. Because you you need to, you know, energy needs to move into there. It's like it's stop somehow. You need to open the energy channel. Yeah, I I thought about that. Um, But it was burned. The nerve was burned. So... It's there's no channel. You, you for, never know. For you, it to you never. Uh, I mean, travel. try it. It's worth a try. You can't be like that the rest of your life because of her. No, I'm not bitter. About, She's still like, practicing as a dermatologist. Yeah, leave it alone. I'm not gonna. I, I, I can't file, believe. I filed it. a complaint though, and this is weird because I filed a complaint with the medical board, mm-hmm. and they came back and they said neuropathy, which is the act of feeling nerve pain. They said neuropathy is a normal outcome of this kind of procedure. Did she tell you that before? No, the medical board said this. I know, but not did her. she tell you before? She did not advise you about that before she did the procedure? I, just, I don't remember. I mean, that's years mm. ago. I don't remember if uh, she did or not. I'm sure I signed something before you oh, do any course. surgery. I'm sure you signed something that says, yeah. I'm a, a tiny little print that you can't read. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, now when I'm, you know, when your leg is numb and it won't wake up and then you, you shake it and you feel that initial pain and then it starts to begin waking up again and the pain goes away i'm at that very final stage where the pain is just subsiding and it's beginning to feel normal again but that pain never subsides so it's constantly Mm. there so it's always like a level two level one level two pain in my foot oh paul 24 7 
but I've just learned to block it out. Just a mm. normal part of life, I guess. You know, neuropathy is a normal outcome of these procedures. Didn't yeah. you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, well, apparently that's what the Texas Medical Welcome Board to Texas. of the uh, uh, doctor says. Yeah, I could say a lot about the doctors here, but anyway, that's another conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I don't want to get too too distracted yes, on that one. Yes. Yes. It's talking about nerve pain, but it's definitely like a. Yeah. I think my foot just won't wake yeah. up sometimes and or it never wakes up but sometimes it gets really numb especially if it's cold out because everything gets tighter mm-hmm. and clo- more closed off and I'm just like oh my god so I'll just have to scratch it just to get some kind of sensory feeling mm-hmm. and I'll just scratch the hell out of the skin just to have Ooh. some kind of signal get yeah. sent through my leg just to wake it up somehow have you tried tapping it yeah I've tried a bunch of stuff I mean mm-hmm. I've tried um, they, I have watched videos where they say to, uh, scrub it. So get like a really heavy scrubber. Ooh, doesn't that hurt? No. No? Cause I can't feel it. Oh. I don't, I don't well, actually don't feel tear it. the skin. No, I know. I've never done it to where it's bleeding, but I have like shredded up the, the tissue a bit just to get something going. And they say like, sometimes you can revitalize the, cause the nerves will reroute to another way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the issue is that it's so far down there, there isn't another nerve to reroute to. It's just like that's the one of the last ones down there by the we foot. We should explore what can be done. I think acupuncture might help. Yeah, we'll look into it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I know I was asking you earlier, like, what is next? So you got the book. You're doing the uh, the medical coaching. Mm-hmm. What is that well, site? it's not medical coaching. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I misspoke. It's, I yeah, don't want to mislead wellness, anyone. Yeah, the wellness, yeah. Heali- the, the name of the website is transformativehealingwellness.com forward slash transform. That's where I want people to go because they get a free, um, uh, what I call the um, what is it? get your health, energy, and your life back. Mm-hmm. A jumpstart guide. What is the the base website though? Tra- no, I don't want the them. I send them to that page. But he's trying to type it. Transformative. <laughs> he doesn't know where you're where you want him to go. Healing, wellness, coach. Dot com, forward slash transform. You got a comma there, yeah. Why can't we just go to the dot com? Because this is where you find what you need. You can't get it. Like It's not on the menu. I don't think you spelled it right. Transformative healing. Let's just go to the root page mm. and just see that wellness we can get there. Dot, no, you don't have wellness spelled correctly. <laughs> dot com forward slash transform. I thought it was coach. Oh, yeah, coach. Sorry. The word coach. Belongs. Transformative healing wellness coach. We got to get you a better URL. Um, All right. <laughs> Can you let me help no. you with that? please? Forward slash. No. See, you need to do forward slash transform. You're not going to find Mom, the link. People are going to have a hard time with this. We got to get a better URL. No, it's it's necessary for SEO and stuff. So go down the page. No one's going to type all that. That's, it's too much. Well, they're not supposed to type it. I mean, you click on the link. I mean, I'm going to, you know. But people listening are going to go. T- oh, the listeners type here, they yeah, might. Yeah, they're going to yeah. type it in. We got to make a better URL. Well, anyway. All right. Um, this is just your son talking. All right, yes, go ahead. Yes. I'll go back to interviewer mode. 
<laughs> yes, transformativehealingwellnesscoach.com slash transform. It's yes. like a 1997 so URL. If you, if you enter your name in that little box, you're going to get the jumpstart guide. And then there, there's a lot. Okay. It's like a, about an eight or ten page thing. And it talks a lot about all this stuff that I'm talking about now. Okay, that's cool. So it's a place to start. It gives you an idea also of what you will get if you ever coach with me. Why can't yeah. they go to the homepage, though? That's what Because I, that I link get. for this is not on the homepage. This is me- it's my landing page. It's okay. meant just for people like to go to from ads that I'm going to run what? soon. Oh, I see. This is a for yeah. Um, I got. It. It's I a landing you. page. It's not the main page. So. Mm-hmm. And you can't link this from your homepage. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So. I see. This is for a campaign. Like. Yes. Yes. But that's thing. where you can get. That's the only place on the website where you can uh, enter your name and email address and get the jumpstart guide. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. What happens if they go to the homepage? What is that going to do? It just gives some information. It's not even really complete yet. I'm just, you know, working on it mm-hmm. uh, over time. So there's a little bit of info, but not a lot. And I'm preparing an online course also for people who can't afford coaching and they still want to uh, address some of this stuff. Oh, that's cool. So it'll just be, it's not even video uh, course. It's just PDF essentially. Yeah. Uh, and I might do it in the EPUB version too, so they can download. Scroll down. Isn't that the box? That's the same. No, this is no. It's not. <laughs> it's a different box. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say that we just saw this on the yeah, other page. No, okay. No, yeah. No, that's not it. All right. Actually, that's being kind of redone. But I got you. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in the that's works. Cool. So. And I'm working on. Sorry, it I didn't mean day. to tease you about it. Yeah. Everyone listening, I'm teasing my mom a yeah, little bit. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. see oh, that. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a cool. I love that picture of you. Do you really? It's yeah, one of my it's my favorite. Cool, I don't know. I was suggested that I use it there. It's a cool, uh, cool picture. You yeah. look like you're ready to go to a nightclub or something. Uh, I do. Oh. Yeah, it's I kind thought of like I look a, like a Stepford wife. A Stepford wife? <laughs> well, they they look like they're ready to go to nightclubs. <laughs> like yeah. Uh. Well, cool. Uh, so you've got the coaching thing. Um, who the fuck says we have tomorrow on Amazon? How I made cancer my bitch. <laughs> yep, I sure did. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, you've got some other books coming out, don't you? Yeah, Cozy Mysteries. Actually, I'm a fiction writer as well. And um, I'm uh, like 80% of the way through the last book. So that series should be available like at the end of March. And that's a fun project. I, I, I'm very drawn to writing memoir for some reason. So that's why I wrote the first one. And then this one, I have another one I'm going to start working on later this year. Uh, for s- that seems to be a calling for me. It's like something that's there that I can't avoid doing. Sometimes I think, oh, do I really want to do that again? You know, I really want to write fiction, you know, but I, it's so strong. It's like I got to get it out, yeah. you know? That's what that is. And the, the fiction projects are, you know, fun. I just have fun. I love writing them. It's, you know, make up, making up shit all day long. Like when you're writing a book, oh, yeah, well, let's... Let's say that, you know, my protagonist did this next and what is she going to do after that? And yeah. it's fun because you're, you're uh, essentially, uh, you're the puppeteer of uh, a fictional character's life. You know, you can make her go wherever you want. Hmm. That's cool. So that's fun. In a memoir, you can't do that. You got to tell the truth, you know? Well, yeah, you're supposed to. Yeah, if, you, if you're ethical, you're going to tell the truth. Yeah. So, um you know, it's different, but that seems to be 
something that I must do. I don't know how many more memoirs I'm going to write. I know there's going to be that other one that I told you about, which I don't, I'm not ready to talk about yet. But okay. that date, the start date on that's been pushed back to June, I think, because I just have too many things on my plate. We're in, uh, we're, we could say we're in pre-development now, just having a conversation about okay. how we're going to do it. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. That's going to be interesting. <coughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Do Alex, because I, I know it involves Alex and I, uh, part of like when we're around, um, do we get like a right of, re right of refusal for any of that? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to talk to you about that. Like, what is it that you don't want me to talk about you yeah. know, in it? But uh, essentially, the, uh, the message in there will be, you know, how we were separated because of a religious cult. Yeah. So. We being you and... And, and Alex, yeah, yeah. You know, like those four years that I didn't see her because of that. Yeah. So the main focus of it will be that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and of course, there'll be backstory in there. And of course, you'll probably, you know, I'll be saying things about you in there about that. But we'll talk about it. We don't have to say it if you're not comfortable. You know, there's a few things that happened that I thought would be you know, I would want to talk about there because mm -hmm. it had a lot to do with, you know, being led, having, belonging to a cult and having a cult leader telling you how to live your life, you know? Yeah. And how it affected you, like mm -hmm. what happened as a result of that. I'm sure you can think of one incident. That I don't want to bring it up now in case you're not comfortable with it, but, you know. Oh, I mean, I, I'd, I'm comfortable talking about that time. Um, I think... But you said you didn't want to bring up the book until. Oh, you know, I don't want to tell to the name of the book or, or yeah. you know, any of that. But basically, that's what it's going to re revolve around is that period of time yeah. when I didn't see her because of the cult. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, she wants to turn it into a series. So Alex does? Yeah. Oh, a series of books? No, I mean, on like either Netflix or Amazon Prime. Oh, wow. that, that's going to be the next step. We're writing the book first. And then we're actually, when as we're writing it, we're going to do it so that it's easily transferable to a series format. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That makes me maybe a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. I guess I was a little kid back then, so it didn't doesn't matter too much but yeah. yeah i think if anything it's just like revisiting those feelings and like eh, yeah yeah feels weird well it's going to be part of it but it's mainly like i said again the main focus is that period of time yeah when she wasn't you know i, I couldn't see her yeah so. well that that kind of overlaps when i first joined the marine corps and stuff that was mm -hmm. actually i was an adult by then i was like 21 22 yeah, you, uh, no, because I remember she was still in our lives, you know, when you graduated from boot camp, because she was with me. She yeah. came with me to San Diego. No, I know. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah, it was but like after it was that, it happened very soon after that, because yeah. I never saw her, like, when, while you were in Iraq, I didn't see her. Right. You know, and for a few years after. It was four-year period of time. It happened when I, well, the... Anyway, we won't get into it because yeah, I don't want to ruin the story or the book. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, it's so. a whole thing to unpack. <laughs> yep, no kidding. We could talk for another five hours on that, but yeah. we have to go to a party. Dude, I know, we know? do got to get ready. Yeah, it's <laughs> after five, so we got we to gotta get going yeah. for this. 
Well, I'm I'm glad to have you on. This oh, is cool. Thank you. I'm loving the book so far. It's I'm laughing. It's weird because we're talking about some serious like cancer stuff, but and it's, you're, it's you, funny. you're back yeah. broken in the hospital, but I'm laughing. So yeah, it's. I know, I know. But I did try to. I want to put humor in it because it's such yeah. a heavy subject. But does it have to be? I mean, that's the mindset thing, you know. Yeah, this yeah. shit is happening, but you can. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't quite there yet. I mean, as you can see the beginning, I'm really, uh, but it was, there were so many funny moments, you know, like when I was trying to stand up and sit in a wheelchair the first time and I just couldn't do it. And, yeah. And then, you know, I had so much fun doing that. Like when I was, I spent like three, four days, like over a weekend, I spent three, four days just visualizing the hell out of that scenario, you know. Is that guy's name really Chris? Do you remember? Yeah, it was. So whoever Chris is, if we can find him and get him to listen to this, like, thank you. You helped my mom learn to walk again after she broke her back. Yeah, so yeah. Mega thanks. That was so weird to me that all I'd done was lay in bed for eight weeks and my body had forgotten how to walk and yeah. sit. It's crazy. It was freakish yeah. to realize that. It just wouldn't happen like it wasn't nothing was moving it was so weird that you know you would i i thought that uh you know it would be if you did that for months or whatever maybe but after just eight weeks i mean then they, the guys told me i'm pretty sure he said you know even if you lied in bed for three four days you would feel a modicum of what you're experiencing now wow it's like our bodies forget really quickly I guess that's why you got to work out all the time. It forgets what you did, you know, three days ago. It does, yeah. Diminishing well, returns. Yeah, so. Well, uh, everybody uh, check out um, transformativehealingwellnesscoach.com slash transform. Uh, go to Amazon. Who the fuck says we have tomorrow? How I Made Cancer My Bitch by Maurice Laflamme. Um, any social media stuff? Not, I don't do much on social media. You can okay. find me on social media under Maurice Laflamme Writer, but okay. I, I really don't do a lot. It's not going to be a big part of uh, you know my marketing campaign or getting people yeah. in to that. But you can also go to my writer website, which is my name, MauriceLaflamme.com, and then you can get the books from there, Oh, MauriceLaflamme.com. Okay, yeah. that's, that's a much yeah, uh, you can a get very the, easy the URL. Yeah, and, but it's not going <laughs> to link to my coaching website at all. Sure. So. Okay. Um, All right, cool. Saying. So, well, thank you. Thank you. This for was really fun, was actually. Fun. More fun than I thought it would be. Okay. You know, I was a bit stressed <laughs> out. I'm like, oh my God, it's so official on a podcast with my son. You I, did seem stressed out. I was like, we're uh, just going to we, have I know, fun. I had all these notes. We didn't I even know. go over them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. It's three hours, burns by fast. And I know, just, it yeah. really does. That's right. Well, thank you for listening if you've listened to the end. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks. And take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>